know this. Introducing the original Blood Clad Podcast, not PS. Tooling Semantic. Special dedication all the way from New York. Boom! Yeah, man, SWT Semantic. Yeah, me know. Boom! Tooling Semantic. Yeah, me know. Big ups to the man. Tooling Semantic. episode of Soothing Semantics. I am your host, Rafi Pinsky. Make sure to subscribe, like, share, leave your comments. And today we have someone who we're going to introduce as M. Okay. And M is quite an interesting story. This is definitely going to be one of my most interesting episodes to date. Uh, I had some other pretty interesting episodes, but this one is definitely at the top of the list. So M, uh, tell us a little bit about your upbringing. All right. <laughs> well, basically, the reason why I guess I see one here is because I was raised Jewish in a religious Jewish family. Um, and uh, I was Hasidic for a certain while, not for long until I was like about three or four years old. And then we stayed in the religious community, but like modern Orthodox, I'd say. And then, yeah, I became Muslim. <laughs> it all started when my mom met my dad and they fell in love and they had me. Hi, I'm Ryan. In my life, it's kind of crazy. So you, okay, so until three years old, so I think maybe some people thought you were raised Haredi uh, or Hasidish until you were older, but it was only until yeah. you were three, okay. And then after that, how, how were you, how did you kind of grow up? What, how would you kind of label it? Well, I'd say modern Orthodox. Um, yeah, modern Orthodox or conservative. I don't know, like, it's, uh, I don't really exactly know, like, where you draw the line for these labels. I went to Jewish school until I was, I graduated high school, like, my whole life. So, and I was still, like, Shomer Shabbat, we ate only kosher at home or even outside of the home. Uh, we did all the holidays, kept Shabbat, so pretty religious, <laughs> I would say. Okay. So, yeah, I also grew up modern. I did, definitely didn't grow up Hasia. I grew up modern pretty much my whole life. There was a period in elementary school where I was a little bit more religious, I would say. But more or less modern. I, I was raised by my grandmother, actually. So she raised me. She raised me religious, you know, and now more traditional, actually. So your parents got divorced, I imagine? Uh, yeah. At three? Yeah. Okay. And then your, your dad continued to be very religious or he kind of went in the same direction? How was um, that? I think he continued to be very religious, basically. Also, like more of a background of my story, but like since my mom was is not Ashkenazi, she, it's it's like she became Hasidish when she was like twelve because her mom remarried a guy who was Hasidish, so she was like a Balitshuva. Like they were religious, but not like Hasidish. Um, as most Hasidish people are Ashkenazi, I mean, I'm sure you know that. Yeah, well aware. So. <laughs> I live, I grew up I grew up in a neighborhood. Have you ever heard of Borough Park? Yes, I know Bar Park, yeah. You've been there? No, but I know my, I have family that lives like close by. <laughs> really? <laughs> what a small world. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I was a waiter. I was a waiter in that area for years. They used to, oh my God, I remember the first time they, we, I was I was giving out challah rolls and they're like, ah, the belkelech. And I was like, the, the what? <laughs> <laughs> and I was learning all these different slangs and I used to imitate them all the time. Allo, allo, waiter, bring me the wine right now, please. 
Can you broom yeah. sweep? Can you broom sweep? Like it's not a regular sweep or can you get the broom? It's can you broom sweep a soup, a soup plate? A soup plate. It's a bowl. A bowl, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, a lot of them, like they, 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 like the main languages, like uh, uh, obviously Yiddish. So like I even know for myself, like I was young. But like, so I went to like a school that spoke English young, but I remember like when I had difficulty speaking English, I remember it was like uh, before like kindergarten, so pre-K, I was like, oh, I don't know. There's a knip. I don't know how to take it out. And she's like, <laughs> oh, the knot. And I'm like, knot? That means like knot. <laughs> I was confused. Right. And she was like, oh, it's spelled differently. And I was like, okay. But I was three, so I was really young. So I was able to adapt quickly, but it was different, I guess, for my sisters who were older than me. Mm-hmm. So I go to a fully English speaking school. Um, but yeah, the the some of the especially the men in the city community, they have like a worse education, I'd say, when it comes oh, to form. terrible education. Yeah. Their English is like even if they learn English, their spelling is terrible. Yeah, because they don't have a they don't really have an English education in school. They mm-hmm. do it, they do the bare minimum just so the government doesn't shut them down, you know, just so they keep getting exactly. government funding. The women they're better off because they learn more secular studies than men. But the men like focus more on like Torah studies, right? So, in there, yeah. The reality though is that business-wise, they do a lot of them do exceptionally well. Yeah, there are definitely poor ones, but the one thing I can say is the community helps. They 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 help each other out more than any other community I've seen. Do you have other other things I don't like about it? Yeah, of course. I'm not exactly trying to be part of the community. You know, as a as a as a member, but I still consider them family. You know, like I, if I need something, I know they'll be there. You know, right? All these all these organizations, all these volunteer organizations, were started by them. At the end of the day, like Shomrim, Hatzalah, uh, you name it, right? For burial, for anything. If your car breaks down in the middle of the road, you have. I don't know if you heard of them. They call them. Uh, Chaverim, Chavarim. That's what oh, they call well, them. for everything, yeah. Yeah, for everything. So that's, I like, really special. I, like, thought I broke my ankle. It just hurt, and she, like, freaked out, and she called them. And I was like, bro, my ankle is fine. <laughs> I just <laughs> and walked on it wrong. Yeah, but it's nice. So, so going, okay, so now moving forward, right? So you grew up modern. You went to a Jewish mm-hmm. school. And in your video, you mentioned that they were very Zionistic, right? Mm-hmm. So how did that kind of transition from you being very pro-Israel until you, to now where you're just in a complete opposite mindset, where you totally shifted? Where, where did that kind of change? Well, it changed because, um, like I said, since I was raised in a small community, uh, like I only saw one perspective. Like oh, I only really had Jewish friends. I I had like my neighbor who wasn't Jewish, but like she was my age. That was about it. Everybody else that I knew was Jewish and everybody else that I knew thought the same. Um, so like I was just seeing one perspective and I never really thought of the base. Basically, I never like looked at it through the other perspective. Um, so I was just getting my information from one side, hearing like, oh, they're doing this bad. They're doing this bad. They're doing this bad. Look, we're just innocent and they're doing all the bad. All the bad comes from them, which obviously it has to be more nuanced than that. Everything is more nuanced than that. There's always like, stuff from both sides but the way I saw it I was like wholly convinced that like there was one side that was completely in the right 100% and one side that was 100% in the wrong and like they do no wrong like Israel does no wrong so basically until I graduated high school like I was still Zionist I would say 
And when it started is like, it was a few things, but like, I remember like I took a class. I remember one thing they got me reflecting on. It was like, I took a class um, in, well, you guys don't have that, but we have that in Montreal, Sejep. So it's like pre-university after high school. I took a class that was uh, like about the, you know, Irish independence, you know, and they were like, whatever they, they were like under the conquered by the, the Great Britain or whatever UK. And um, then after they fought to like, you know, for freedom and they like basically did like terrorist activities, which, you know, people would call what Palestinians do terrorist activities also. Um, like they would like go against the army. They would come with guns. It was like the, oh, I forget what it's called, but the Irish liberation. I don't know. Anyways, I, I, could, definitely, I could definitely look it up. Um, yeah. Cause it was a few years ago. And I remember like first that came to mind for some reason, I was like, this feels like, you know, I don't know, this kind of like Palestinians. I don't know. For some reason, it just came to my mind. But at that point, I was still Zionist. And I was like, nah, whatever. It's different for many reasons, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, anyways, that was one thing. You said it's different um, in many reasons. What do you mean? You were saying how you were rationalizing? Yeah, I was trying to be like, okay, but like, it, it's kind of it's giving me like flashbacks. Like, you know, like they're, they they killed innocent people but like people were behind them they're like yeah but it's for a cause because they're they're whatever they killed soldiers you know okay so somewhat innocent people and i was like that's bad but i also understood them and like the way like we were when we were taught about it it was like yeah it's bad but you have to understand like why they did it and they ended up get, reaching independence and this is obviously why ireland basically today stands with palestine because of they they feel that they've gone through the same thing um that was one thing and i had another class talking about you know like like when we were taught about the like canada and like the creation of canada and quebec and the independence of quebec in high school obviously we were like taught about it from the uh, the quebec government it was like their curriculum so they glossed over all the like horrible things that you know canada and quebec did to like the native people um but then when i went to seja we learned like you know and a more like uh, honest version of of what of what happened and i was like okay they just keep stealing land they kept doing this and they did a lot of bad things and also at that point i was still a zionist but then something came to my mind I, it came up to my mind this like the palestinian situation and i was like okay whatever that was just things in the back of my mind that like maybe i guess helped me push like i guess realize i don't know later on but what really changed my perspective i would say was when i made like an instagram account um uh, when I was like interested in Islam, I made a, Instagram, a, a Twitter account where like I had like a fake profile basically just to like see what's up on the like Muslim side to like learn a bit more about Muslims and post things without like, you know, being out because so, I don't want my name and face there. So quickly to interject, this is, this is so fascinating. So you, so once you started to question everything you've been taught, it, you wanted to kind of get to know the other side better. Is that what happened? You started yes. to find a fascination with with Islam or the enemy, so to speak, right? Like, what's yes. going on on the other side? Am I, is everything I'm I'm being told a lie, right? That's that's kind of where you're going with that, right? Yeah, exactly. I was like, I want to see like what the other side has to say. What's like what's going on there on the other side? And basically, um, ultimately, I when I did that, I obviously I was following a lot of Muslim accounts and thus like a lot of pro Palestine accounts. And I started seeing things that I hadn't seen before, like, you know, like random attacks that I'd never heard of before, but like settlers doing, which I, I, th- I would never for the life of me thought would have happened because like, oh, Jews don't do that. Israelis don't do that. It's only the Muslims and Palestinians who hurt innocent people. 
so I was like starting to see a lot of things and like I was I was looking at I was seeing more things from even like B'Tselem like organizations I know a lot of Israelis don't like them because they're like all oh, they're liars but some of the things are just facts you know like like stuff caught on video and I'm just a very pessimistic person in general so when I see something and there's like no actual proof I'm like mm, I don't know I want to see like the action actually happening and then like okay I can believe it even if it comes from a Palestinian source because I see like obviously sometimes people post things from a Palestinian perspective that are just like mm, iffy and I'm like I don't know if I should believe it yeah, um, well, real quick to interject there's fake propaganda on both sides and there's truth on both sides right so but Selim I think we'll put out a lot of nonsense, but of course, if something is proof, if if a if a guy if an Israeli living in Ayush, as you call them settlers, would be would be uh, throwing a Molotov cocktail or firing a weapon, right? Like if it's happening, it's happening, right? You can't di- if it's clearly happening, it's happening, right? At the same time, there's a lot of BS on both sides. Well, it's time now on the program for Truth or Fake with James Creedon, who's with me here in the studio. James, hello to you. Um, This is our fact-checking element of the show. We are looking at whether images you're seeing online are true or not. And you're starting off with an image of a young girl. Now, the claim is she's Palestinian and she's been injured in the conflict with Israel. What can you tell us? That's right. So this is an image that has been circulating uh, a lot. It was shared on Italian language Facebook Mm. and it shows a girl and the claim in that image is that she's Palestinian and that she was injured in uh, bombs, by fragments of bombs that that were dropped by uh, the Israeli army. Uh, Now, in this particular instance, that's actually not true. And this particular fact-checking media in uh, open.online, which is Italian language fact-checking, they were able to ascertain that that's not the case. And that in this particular instance, it was down to a a syndrome called Sturge-Weber syndrome, which is a rare skin condition. So this was Uh, false information that was circulating online claiming that this little girl had been injured in that particular uh, situation. Now, uh, this is something that comes up regularly uh, in terms of, it's it's been called Pallywood. That's the term that was coined. Uh, It's a sort of portmanteau of Palestinian and Hollywood. It's a coinage used to describe supposed media uh, manipulation, distortion or fraud by uh, Palestinians putatively designed to win the public relations war with Israel. But actually the term was coined by those who would have, I suppose, be more pro-Israel in their outlook. In any case, it's very complex. And uh, just to give you a sense of the complexity of it, this is going back to May of this year. Um, This, let's just play this particular image here. We should have some sound on it. So that particular video shows claims to show Palestinians in Gaza daubing uh, fake blood and fake paint wounds on children to gain global sympathy etc 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 so it's 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 the claim here is that uh, these images are part of a, a sort of an industry of falsification of images to gain sympathy for the Palestinian cause in fact those images and th- this was Reuters but various media media were able to verify this uh, they were actually part of Doctors Without Borders the French NGO uh, a campaign that they were engaged in to draw attention to uh, the, the the fact that there is real plight in the Palestinian territories and there are real injuries and so this was a video uh, actually designed to draw attention to that so it was done and overseen. This is actually TRT, uh, the Turkish Injuries International Station. Taking part in a project by French charity, Doctors of the World. So there you go. That was a project uh, overseen by Doctors Without the World. It was in order to draw attention to the, the, the real plight and suffering, but it was passed off in that particular instance as falsification and willful uh, misleading of the public. 
yeah, and as you say, you know, this is clearly a complex layered issue that you're dealing with here. And sometimes fake news can go the other way as well, where you have real images that are wrongly explained as being products of Hollywood. Right. So the first example we saw there, I mean, that was willful misleading, that that was clearly a case of somebody taking an image and presenting it as something that it was not. Mm. That particular example that we just saw there, because it is involving face uh, paint and whatnot, you could understand that people might be uh, confused or, mis or, or, or uh, not willfully misled, if you like. <clears throat> but there are cases as well of... Um, situation where uh, this is Deutsche Welle, the German uh, media. Now, they draw attention to this particular image. Now, not a speck of dust on uh, the bassinet, truly a miracle captured by a New York Times photographer without the slightest staging done, because that would be unethical, uh, etc., etc. Now, this was actually an authentic uh, image from some uh, from uh, from May of this year. It was captured by uh, a New York Times uh, photographer, uh, Samu Abu Elouf, and it's being presented here as something that was staged. It was not. So the whole Pallywood thing, it's very complex yeah. uh, and certainly highly politicised. And, and points then clearly to the way that Palestinians and Israelis are trying to play out their conflict and win, exactly. and win it's, it's political, public support. It's political communications. It's not, uh, it's not uh, I suppose, an honest effort to demonstrate uh, fakery. All right. Really interesting. Thanks for highlighting some of that stuff to us, James. And now to a story that we have been tracking. They say, truth is the first casualty in war. And this phrase has never made more sense than it does now. In the ongoing Israel-Palestine conflict, the gap between truth and falsehoods is growing wider by the day. And a lot of credit for this goes to social media, where misinformation is flourishing. Fake videos and images are going viral, and tonight we'll call out these falsehoods and tell you how they are fueling the conflict. Let's begin with a video. This video that you see. It shows a truck-based missile launcher moving down a civilian area. This video was first shared by a US-based pro-Israeli account. It has since been shared repeatedly with a claim that this is from Gaza and that Hamas is using humans as a shield against Israel. This video is fake. It's not even from Gaza, it's from northern Israel. It was shared in November 2018 by an Israeli news agency. These are Israeli trucks. They got lost on their way. They entered a village. The account that posted this video has taken it down saying, please accept my apology for the bad info. In terms of... Uh uh, Palestinian news media, you'll see a guy, you know, wrapped up on a stretcher and then he gets up and stuff like that has happened. Or, you know, they'll fake getting shot and then after the video, they'll get up. Like there's a lot of videos like that. I'm sure you've seen them, but they exist. Um, there's also stuff where like they'll take a picture of kids bloody where it's from Syria from three years ago and they'll make it as if it happened in Gaza in 2021. Right. So they do stuff like that quite often as a matter of fact um so that's okay but i want to go back to your point i want to give you the floor again i just wanted to make that uh clear but yeah go on anyways yeah so <laughs> basically i started yeah. seeing things from a palestinian perspective and then like i kind of flipped my mindset on like where i stand based on like like how i justify what's happening so before i would justify what's happening from like a more like i guess like um political-ish I don't know political standpoint but like oh this is what happens when you have a war and when you win you get the land it's just logic right but 
then I started starting to think about like, you know, more about like, and I guess some more humanitarian lens. I don't know how to describe it, but I was like, mm, there's so many things they do that are just iffy. Um, just like taking, like I've posted on my TikTok, like cases of like stolen homes where they just t- took homes of like houses built by Palestinians for Palestinians for their families. But then in 1948, they were like forced to leave and then they could never return to their homes and get their homes back. And there's many houses like these. And it's not just like, um, I mean, it's just a fact Like you can even mm-hmm. see like a lot of houses being sold on marketplace and they're like, oh, Arab style house. Cause like it was built by an Arab. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like Airbnb, yeah. an Airbnb or something like a property that is now owned by a Jew and being sold for rental in the old city yeah. that at some point, it's, at some point, right. It's just disappointing to see. Cause like, you can know, and sometimes they even have like Arabic engraved. And like, for example, the whole, the whole city of Safad, Safed or Safad, whatever in Arabic, Sfat in Hebrew, right. it's like 99 point something percent Jewish now, I think 99.6% Jewish. I don't know what 0.6 means, but basically it's all Jewish and like it's a Jewish town, but before it was a majority Palestinian town, a Muslim town, and you can see so many mosques there. And they just took mosques and transformed them into like art galleries and whatnot. And it's just upsetting to see, you know, like there was a whole, there was livelihood here. There was communities here, Palestinians, and now there, there isn't. So just looking at it from that perspective, it's just, it's hurtful to see because I know people who have had their families there and they can't go back. I know people who, who have their like grandparents from there and they can't even go back and visit their grandparents' home and like, you know, where they, they built their foundations for their family. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, my husband too, like his his grandfather, they had a, a place in like uh, West Jerusalem, like a house there, I believe it was West Jerusalem, but now West Jerusalem is Jewish, so like he doesn't have his house anymore, and like, I think it was his grandparents, like parents who owned the house, so like his grandfather moved to like the West Bank, and then they came back to um, to Jerusalem, but like a lot of his brothers went to Jordan, and like, uh, I think they went to some of them went to Saudi I'm not sure but I know some of them went to Jordan and now they're like oh but you're Jordanian now like and now they can't even come back to their to their homeland now their kids and grandchildren also they're like we're Palestinian but we've never been to like the land of where we come from and that's something that's important because even myself I feel a connection to the land even if I was born in Canada and I always wanted to go back and see you know see like where my family comes from or whatnot um you know where my mom was raised and whatnot I keep saying whatnot, sorry. <laughs> whatnot uh, what a boat. Yeah. So anyways, um, I just found that very upsetting. And then there's lots of like, obviously other things I disagree with, um, you know, like how checkpoints are run, like the inhumane way they're done. And like how, like when any time like you put people in power, like soldiers and this, like it's been shown that like people like power gets to them and it's just, it just doesn't bring good things like you know the experiments the stanford prison experiments like it was an experiment They're like you're you're the soldiers you're the prisoners and they actually started becoming evil and it's like it's a normal human thing that like once you get put into power like for a lot of people you become like in a way evil you do bad things if you were put in a position of power and you're like with your gun and everything and someone wants to pass over you can just humiliate them and do whatever you want and these are things that happen routinely every day and the way they talk and talk to you, like even I've been talked to rudely. Like I've never had to like, I'm not Palestinian. I have an Israeli identification. So like, I'm way, that's what's interesting on your, on your Israeli uh, passport. It, it has a Hebrew name. Yes. I have a Jewish name on it. So obviously like I have a different situation where they're confused about me. So they're, they're like so confused. 
Yeah. So this happens every time. So what do they question you for two hours? Like, what do they do? No, usually, like, sometimes they don't, like, not every time I pass through the checkpoint, they will ask me, like, for my passport. So I usually hope they don't because my husband, he, he, has, he has a Palestinian, right? I mean, a, a, um Israeli license plate because he lives in Jerusalem. So mm-hmm. usually they let us pass. They just look like everything okay, whatever. They go. When they take our IDs, sometimes they just look at me and they, like, quiz me. They're like, what's your name? Blah, blah, blah. My husband always tells me, like, wear your, your scarf differently. We're pretty, like, a religious woman. But I'm like, bro, you look Arab. <laughs> your name is Arab. It doesn't make a difference. Like, yeah, it doesn't matter. girl with an Arab, it doesn't make it any better. Um, but, yeah, it's only when I go to the airport that I really get problems. Um, but the last time I wore it, I was like, you know what? F it. I wore, it, like, a proper hijab. Because usually they just you- assume I'm alone. They assume I'm Jewish. But this time I wore it proper, and I, I was, like, questioned for a long time. You always wear the niqab? You always wear the full thing? Or it's only because of your video? Only in your videos? Like it's not online. What it's happened? Only, it's only online that I cover my face. Oh, okay. But normally you just do the hijab. Yeah, I just do a hijab, yeah. And usually when I would go travel, I would just wear it like like a mitpachat, like a regular religious right. lady, you know. And well, given my name, they they assume that I'm just a religious lady, <laughs> a religious Jewish lady. Ah, oh, so wow, so you kind of can play both cards in a way. Like in the right yeah. moments, you like, yeah. But okay. I think now they're like, now they probably put it in the system now that like, I am a suspect or something. Yeah, you're <laughs> it's, like, like, it's almost like you're a se- it's like you're a secret agent or something. Yeah. I know. <laughs> but yeah, anyways, just things <laughs> like that. Um, I started seeing things through a more like humanitarian perspective and a more like, is this right and wrong? It's not just about like, oh, politics, we want this, da da da. Jews are Jews have are indigenous to to the land. We have history there. Okay, sure. That doesn't that doesn't make it okay for what's happening basically so, um, but you do think that jews have a, a connection to it well yeah i mean of course they they do have a connection but that doesn't mean palestinians don't you know, i mean um sure. jews were never the sole people on the land and even before jews judaism was created it was a land of canaan and there was canaanites and then even the torah itself and like Dwarim, i'm not sure which perik like maybe seven i think it's perik seven it god describes like go to the land of canaan and take the land by force you know if don't marry them don't marry the canaanites only like don't take their sons for your daughters your daughter for your sons blah 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 take the land drive them out they, they say like kill them whatever which happens generally and even in islam of course it happens when you take when you take land you drive the people out so this is also what happened um in the torah this is just the torah so i gotta you know i gotta say something interesting and this is very um this is very primitive, but this is what has happened throughout history. And, and as much as I, I want to be very clear, this isn't what I want, um, it would have had a different reality. Most of the time in history, when one country or one group conquers another, they conquer them to the point of no return, pretty much. Or even if they can live, even if the surviving tribe or group that was conquered is, is alive, right? Let's say there's a few thousand of them, whatever it is they have been conquered to the point where they're just, they just accept that, okay, this is how it's going to be now. Where Israel and the Jews, on the other hand, yes, it was, they definitely did quite a lot of uh, conquest, but did so in a way where, yeah, of course, a, a large percentage of the Arab population in the area was not, you know, was either expelled or killed or whatever. Um, but now there's still a lot of them 
right? There's a large group, there's millions, right? Inside and outside, uh, both in, in the West Bank and Gaza, in Israel proper, uh, in Jordan and probably Lebanon and America and Europe. There's just, you know, a lot of, a lot of areas now. So as much as there was a lot of tragedy, I would say that compared to how other, con- other groups were conquered, there's still a nice amount of them. Anyhow, okay, so, so I completely understand the Arab side in terms of, there's just so much to unpack here, okay? So basically, you were saying, you, you agree that the Jews have a connection to Israel, right? At the same time, you feel it doesn't give them the right or didn't give them the right to do what they did, right? And there's validity to that, right? So just because the Torah says the Jews uh, were promised the land of Israel and there was the, the, the temple, the Beit HaMikdash there and all those things, it doesn't mean that the Jews can thousands of years later just kind of waltz over and say, hey, well, we're back, <laughs> right? So, you know, as we know, the Jews came in the, even the late 1800s, early 1900s, they really started flocking in in the 20s, 30s, 40s, uh, for many years after that as well. And ultimately, when they came back, the British had rulership over it. It was called the British Mandate of Palestine. I'm just also talking to the guests listening, um, so to, the, to the listeners listening. So, you know, they came back in, in, in droves and hundreds of thousands, and the British said, all right, well, we got to figure something out. We got to figure a solution. So everyone can kind of live harmoniously. Obviously, that wasn't so realistic, but that was the idea initially. So they had the UN partition plan. We don't have to go into the entire history over the course of our episode. We'll definitely talk about it more. Uh, there was a partition plan. And the partition plan, the Arabs were, would have part of it and the Jews would have part of it. Now, n- neither side, I think, thought of that as ideal. So UN partition plan of 1947, the Arab state was basically going to be the top half and then a a large area of Gaza, pretty much a lot of, um, uh, a nice amount of of coastline. You can argue both at all. They tried to split it evenly, right? All right, you get your half of the cake, I get my half of the cake. And the Arab world was not okay with that. They weren't having it. They're like, listen, Jews, <laughs> you don't get to show up thousands of years later and make claims that this is your house and you want it back and blah, blah, blah. Like, we're here now. So the Arab world, many, many countries in the Arab world went to war against Israel. Israel won somehow. And this happened over the course of several years. There were different wars that, that went on. And somehow Israel managed to win. Now, what's crazy is how much they were outnumbered, but obviously in doing so, there were a lot of Arabs expelled and uh, we are where we are now. The, fa- the fact that they, that they went in, the Jews went in and, and did what they did, now we, we are where we are. Do you think things would have been easier if both sides would have just agreed to split it? I mean, it might have, but I just don't, I don't see, I don't understand the whole idea of a partition plan. I just, I don't, to say it to me, it doesn't really make sense. Cause like, I don't know, like, how do you divide fairly? Like if your family comes from one area and then after the partition plan, you get another area, it's like meaningless to you. You know, 100%, 100%. I don't, I don't think, I don't think it was a solution either. 
Like it's not, yeah, that's the thing. It's not like it's like, oh, it's a cookie. You get one half, you get the other half. It's, it's not like that. So I think it's oversimplifying the, you know, the situation and like the, you know, yeah. Like for example, Hebron, it's 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 both holy to Jews and Muslims. So who's gonna get it? You know what I mean? Who's gonna get it? And why is it well, fair that one party should get it over the other? Well, and a lot of areas are, are like that. I mean, Jerusalem was supposed to be like I think a mixed, you know, like a neutral. I'm not, I'm not sure how they were trying to divide that, but Jerusalem, the whole of it is holy to both, right? Because um, mm-hmm. our Muslims, so we believe that everything, basically everything, is. I think what a lot of people, Jewish people, don't understand. It's like, oh yeah, but it's our holy place. But it's you, that being your holy place makes it our holy place because we believe in the same God, mm-hmm. and Basically, everything that was made holy for Jews was also made holy for, for, for Muslims because it's the same religion for us. For us, it's the same religion, it's a continuation. So, for example, the um, the Beit Hamikdash, um, the the like temple or like the Temple Mount, in 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 Arabic and Islamically, like yeah, they call it Al Quds now, but the name Islamically is Beit Al Maqdis. It's like the same word, Beit Hamikdash, okay. Beit Al Maqdis, because it's the same God. We believe that yeah, God made this holy place for jews but then after god sent you know islam that's the continuation of it don't you think it's interesting don't you think it's interesting how if we're talking about what's stolen or what's adopted islam is pretty much just a break off of judaism doesn't that kind of make you think of like how if we're talking about if we're talking about different religions although they're monotheistic and abrahamic if you look at all of the right you look at a They'll have instead of tzedakah, they'll have uh, how do they pronounce it? Sadakah, or all these so many terminologies in Arabic are clearly a derivative of Hebrew, meaning it's we don't have to talk about modern Hebrew because a lot of modern Hebrew isn't the same as you know Lashon Hakodesh, you know the older biblical Hebrew, but still there's a lot of words that were taken, and it's just interesting where you'll have Beit Hamikdash, for instance, but Beit Al Magdasi, like it's clearly the same word but used you know arabic is you know essentially a language that came afterward so it's just very interesting so you can kind of argue yeah you can kind of argue that they that they adopted their thoughts and and ideas from judaism well no well i mean that's how that's how probably a jew sees it but yeah. the way as Muslims we see it, it's the same God, same religious, same message. So, for example, uh, a Harry Potter book series, you know, this, the, the third one isn't a copy of the first one. It's the same. It's literally just the same story, just, you know, continued. Um, so it's not a knockoff of it. It's the same author, same story, mm-hmm. um, just a continuation. So in, in the Quran, or we, in Islam, we know that God speaks it's, to his people in the language that they are familiar with that they know so for the for the Bnei Israel, they were speaking you know like some type of hebrew at the time so that's the, the language of the torah right because it's the language mm-hmm. that they can understand for um islam it was in arabia so the arabians spoke arabic <laughs> so so arabic is basically very similar to 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 um hebrew so sadaqah mm-hmm. is just like that was just how they said, you know, charity at the time, all these things like Ibrahim is just how they would say Abraham because they just obviously the letters and sounds is different in Arabic and Hebrew. So you can call him Abraham, Avraham, Ibrahim is the same thing. It's just the Quran is written in Arabic for the sole reason that it was revealed to an Arab and to mm-hmm. Arab people so that they can understand. So it doesn't, it doesn't have to be in Arabic. Like you can read it in any language because the message stands the same if it's written in Hebrew or Arabic or 
English or French. It's just that it was revealed in Arabic, right? And there's not always equivalent words in Arabic and English. So that's why it's best to speak the Arabic or to learn the Arabic because, you know, Arabic is a rich language and it doesn't have all the same equivalencies in, in English or French or anything else. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And this is essentially what Christianity and Islam believes is that they're continuations. It's just interesting that it kind of stopped at Islam according to that logic. Like how come there haven't been any other continuations? Because it's the message of God and God said so. That's, that, that's another point for me of why I believe in Islam. Because at no point in the Torah did God say, you are the last prophet and there will be no prophecies after you. However, in the Quran, it clearly states that Muhammad is the seal of the prophets and there will be no other, no other, other religion, monotheistic religion, the you know, religion of Abu Hamid, Sakh, Yaakov, Yusuf, you know, there will be no other religion um, from me after this point. And as we can see, there wasn't really any major religion after that point. Because, I mean, God's word stands true. There have been, you know, like a bunch of other religions who are like uh, not monotheistic. And there have been some like people who claim, oh, yeah, I am a monotheistic uh, religion. I'm a God, a prophet. But these people have had no evidences, have had no text, no like actual big text that makes sense as coherent. So that's why there have been no other major monotheistic religions. And this is why this is another thing for me that confirms my belief in Islam. Is that How is it just a coincidence that prophecies suddenly stopped after God said in the Quran that it would stop? So for me, that's just like a confirmation. And that's why I believe it even more. And I, I feel like, I don't know, like as a Jew and like, I, I, and I have a community of Jewish reverts to Islam. We're like 20 people now, alhamdulillah. For me, I think that's well, 20, 20 Jews who converted? Yeah, like of, of that I know of. Um, did you, did like, you have, did you convert any of them? Not like, the, the, you didn't tell them to do it, obviously. But I'm saying, are, are any of those 20 responsible, like, kind of because of you, do you think? Or largely uh, one of them, yes, because when I met her, she was like Jewish, self identified as Jewish, and like she was also kind of more on the Zionist side. And then she was kind of rude to me on my videos, um, but I forgave her. <laughs> and she would like comment, like, not such nice things. And then at one point, she had come to and she's like, Hey, can I DM you? I want to apologize for how I acted, blah, blah, blah. And she explained to me that she's been reading more, researching more, blah, blah, blah. And then after, I don't know. It surprised me honestly because I didn't tell her anything. I never spoke to her. But then she told now me now she's a, now she's now she's Muslim, huh? Yeah, I I didn't even speak wow. to her. Islam. She just looked at my videos, and now she told me that she has a, a girl a friend who is Jewish and like she knows for a while on TikTok is also thinking about Islam and asking her to teach her about Islam. And I'm like, oh my god, it's like a whole revolution. And I know like. I don't know. People think that this is such an evil thing that Muslims do, but I swear to you, we do it out of good intention. Me having her as a Muslim, it makes me happy for her because I truly believe it's the truth and it brings me happiness. So why wouldn't I want her to be happy? And I see like in her change, she tells me herself, like she feels so happy now. Like she had a lot of stress in this and like she has, it brings her solace. Um, so that's happy. And I have another friend who like, she's an anti-Zionist Jew that like I met because she was like, oh yeah, I'm Jewish. And like, she was, she's Iranian Jewish. And she's talking about like how she's like, it's hard for in her family because they're all Zionists. And the other day she was telling me that like, you know, she's thinking about Islam. And I was like shocked. I was like, what? No, wow, I never spoke about crazy. Islam. We just talk about, you know, Palestine. But she like, was thinking about actually converting. Wow, that's wild. Well, I'm not sure. But like she said, I didn't push it. I was like, oh, okay. Well, you know what? If you have any questions, ask me. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, sure. most of the people they 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 found me because they were in the same situation as me, um, and they're like, "Oh my god, I thought I was the only one." And all these people were saying the same thing: "I thought I was the only one. I thought I was the only one." But they're not. It's just that we're like kind of undercover, because 
it's not something that Jews do, first of all, that convert to another religion and especially not Islam. Jews are like a tribal religion. We started as a tribe right. and it's an ethnicity and it's a community and it's a small community. And that being said, it it feels like you're you're like um, a traitor when you leave, especially to Islam. It's like that on all sides. But yeah, especially to, to Islam, when Jews convert to Islam, it's like, whoa. But yeah, yeah it's very rare. And, and I think... And it's not as rare as you think that it is. That's my point. Oh, I mean, that- it happens more than people think. But at the end of the day, it's still very uncommon. Even if people don't feel connected to Judaism or they even think about converting, they don't do it out of pressure, out of like familiar familial pressure and feeling excommunicated and all those things. So it does take a lot of, it takes a lot of balls, I guess you could say is the word, is the best word to describe it, to, to go out and be like, all right, let me go and completely change my life knowing that it's going to, very much uh, ruin or make the relationships I have with the people I grew up with very difficult. Yeah, and the thing is that it just baffles me that I know that there's a lot of Jews who believe in God, but they don't follow Judaism. And they they tell me it's, and, and like when I had conversations back when I was Jew, like this doesn't make sense. Like this doesn't make sense. Why should I do this? I don't keep Shabbat. It doesn't make sense, but I believe in God. But if you believe in God and God in the Torah, according to the rabbis and you say you must keep Shabbat, why don't you follow your own text? If you believe in God, that means God wrote the Torah. And if God wrote the Torah, it's his word. Why don't you want to obey his word? To me, that's baffling that they they believe in God, but they don't want to follow the text because it doesn't make sense. And it's like they don't it doesn't occur to them that maybe there's something else that can answer their questions. And for me, it took me a really long time to like accept that. Be like, okay, maybe I should look into something else because maybe something else will help my questions because I always believed in God. And just like those people, at one point, I started having difficulties um, doing things like Passover meals and this and that. Why do I read the Haggadah? Like who wrote the Haggadah? It's not from God. Like who says that we have to say, like this doesn't make sense to me. I'm just eating karpas because, you know, because of like the tears and blah, blah, blah. It's okay for it to be like, okay, I do it to remember because it's a tradition. We remember it's symbolic, blah, blah, blah. But to me, it's not from God and it's not religious. So at some point I started distancing myself from that but i still believed in god and that's why i basically found islam because i found a way of of believing in god and also obeying god in a way that made sense to me and islam i felt like we didn't have so many extra things that we had to do um that wasn't from the quran that didn't make sense to me we just have ramadan which is in the quran and Eid, which is in the quran and pretty much um all of that so that just made sense to me so anyways it baffles me when i see jews who believe in god but they don't want to follow the torah that is from god that they believe is from god so i'm like it's not so hard and i always thought it's a different religion allah is not a different god it's the same religion yeah to people me, always I'm- do that people always do that it's funny like they'll, they'll be like oh you're uh, you're allah you're god it's like it's the same thing it's all the same like we believe in the same god it took me a very right, long time right. to get over that and when i was able to finally get over that and to accept that at least from my understanding that Allah is just God and Islam is a continuation, a clarification of Judaism. It's the same principles. There's so many similarities that you, people don't realize. It's just a continuation oh, of it. It's very similar. So similar. But what, what's... That's when I basically accepted Islam because I'm like, there's no reason not to believe it. Why should I guys... not... Why should I not accept, you know, Muhammad as a prophet when I accepted all the other prophets before him just because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. doesn't mention him, you know? Right, right. I hear those points. And, and there's the, um, uh, you mentioned the idea that a lot of Jews don't follow, and that's definitely true. And in Islam, do you have a lot of, uh, 
I guess you can call it rabbinical text because I don't know how, how you would say it in Arabic, but you know, imams or sheikhs, like do they they put out a text, I'm sure, right? So no, not no, not in the same way. So there's no like Talmud equivalent. Like the closest you can get an innovative video about this is like hadith. The sole difference between hadith and and um and the like Talmud is that the hadiths are from the Prophet chosen by God, which the Talmud isn't from rabbis chosen by God, it's just rabbis, and it's not from prophets. And then the Quran itself, it says, follow the doings of our prophet. So when it comes to hadith, some of them obviously can be iffy. We're not sure if they're actually legit or not, legit or not. So you have to follow, I guess, like which ones have stronger chains of narration, stronger evidences. And obviously, like, like for example, if it says, like, if you pray extra these this extra prayer, then God will bless you this much more times. Like, what do you lose by doing that, right? You're not doing anything really extra. You're not doing anything that can be like bad. You know what I mean? I don't know how to explain it. But anyways, the, the, base, the basic point is that it comes from the prophet. These are the words and the sayings of the prophet and the, and the prophet was chosen by God. And God also said, follow the doings of the prophet. Whereas the Talmud is written by rabbis that God never chose. You know, God never said, listen to these rabbis. When they tell you something, they're right. So that's the basic difference. So then the only other text we have is like tafsir, um, which is just like uh, explanations of verses of the Quran. So if there's a verse of the Quran, like Quran, then there's like um, some shiaks who can like interpret it, be like, okay, well, this means this, this use. It's like a rambam, basically. Okay. Um, well, an explanation. Well, okay, that's, that, that explains a lot. And I, okay, because you've mentioned like Karia Jews, you know, uh, and, and how basically Karia Jews, for anyone who doesn't know, are Jews who essentially only follow the the Torah directly. There's no rabbinical teaching that they really uh, hold as important. They just follow things directly from God's mouth, supposedly, uh, which I can understand, right? And that's what you've said in, in one of your videos that you resonate more with. So I hear that. Okay. And there's also less room for misinterpretation. You kind of have that that one way of doing things, and that's it. So when you have Sunnis and Shias and all that, they they believe that there's a different predecessor to Muhammad. And I think mm -hmm. that's kind of where it stems. But do they follow the exact same Quran or is it is is there are yeah. there differences? The Quran is the exact same. The difference is the hadith. So, like I said, the hadith is the saying of the Prophet. So they although regard some people as invalid, they're like, no, this guy. Like Bukhari, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Like, how does no. that work though? But how do they develop those different opinions? If Islam is basically, is true, then how do they develop such differing opinions? And how so do you know which one's right? So basically, these are compiled by human beings, right? The the hadith you have to keep in mind is compiled by human beings, and it's it's human beings who supposedly um, are just recording what the prophet said. So when you have a lot of people saying, supporting the fact, yeah, the prophet said that the prophet said this, yeah, yeah, I was there, I was there. It's like, okay, he probably did say that. It's just like in, in general, if like someone says something and you have like a bunch of witnesses and then once I said, oh, I heard him say this, but nobody, there's no witnesses, then you're like, eh, I don't know if he really said this. So I don't know how valid your, your statement is. So the problem is with Shias personally, like this is not an anti-Shia thing. But personally, like I am just Muslim. Are any Iranians Shia? Yes. Well I'm just Muslim, and Sunni. So, what's your Iranian? What's your Iranian friend going to do? She's going to be a Sunni Iranian. Oh, but she's Iranian Jewish, so. <laughs> well, yeah, she doesn't live in Iran. She lives here. Like, it gets very confusing, man. But that see, that's what gets me. It's like Sunni, Shia, Alawi. It's like if God sent one message through Muhammad, and Islam is 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 true in your opinion, 
then how do you still have all these different groups, right? Because for instance, with Judaism, you have different teachings, but it's the same Torah for everybody. Sephardi, Ashkenazi, whoever, they all have, they, they have different nusach, like different traditions. But when What's it comes the- down to it, it comes down to it, everything is kind of the same in terms of what they're all expected to do. On a, how would I say macro, micro? Uh, I, I just want to be able to explain this a little bit better, right? Like they'll eat certain foods or they'll have restrictions on what they can eat on certain holidays or they'll wear different clothes. They'll listen to different kinds of music. But when it com- comes down to it, they all learn the Talmud, right? Well, all groups do learn it. Not all, not every single Jew learns it, but all groups definitely learn it. They all uh, honor, you'll have Sephardi guys honoring Ashkenazi rabbis. You'll have Ashkenazi uh, men honoring Sephardic rabbis, right? And they'll, they'll revere both sides. Whereas I feel like Sunnis and Shiites, they're just completely like, they kill each but other. It, it's, <laughs> no, it's not as different as you think it is. So a lot of it is just political, but like Doesn't I that said, get you though real quick? Like they literally murder uh, each other. No, no. Well, well. Listen. <laughs> Basically, they follow the same exact text. The Quran is the same. The differences are, are like seeing like the brachts. Okay, it's that's it. Similar differences. <laughs> that's so funny. Okay. Hold on, hold on. It's amazing watching you wear in a cob and say the brachts. <laughs> it's so good. But anyways, it's like the same equivalent, or like waiting three hours versus six hours. Um, to, to like to like after meat and dairy you know it's the same equivalent the differences aren't that big the difference is that like first of all us as sunni people we believe we're muslim we're sunni shias however they're the ones who kind of added things to it so it doesn't like delegitimize it because any group can have people who add things it's like messianic jews who say we're jewish and but we do this we believe in jesus it's the same thing they're like the muslims who say oh yeah but like they revere like imam ali like it or not and hussein they always mention ali hussein they have all over their profiles they usually put it 313 they have extra like holidays they do and they basically deviate from the quran from the message of the quran and the hadith itself because there aren't any hadith that say to do these things however they do do these things in order to like remember so they said you you said do do worship graves they go to graves and they go to like you know like oh graves of rabbis and they pray at the graves of rabbis and ask them for miracles she has to do the same thing you know it's not from the quran it's not from the hadith they just do these things that are extra and this is why when you ask a sunni what are you what religion are you they just say i'm i'm muslim but she has always mentioned i am shia so it's kind of like a whole it's kind of like being a karate you know what i mean they're like oh i'm shia like a karate jew will be like oh i'm karate you know like they make sure to like specify that. But the Quran, it remains the same. They believe in the same, they do the same major holidays. They just add more to it. It's- That's just really fat. But you know what though? That's what kind of at the end of the day gets me is like if, if something is true and God wants it to be so, then to have this many variations of things. And I understand that people have different opinions. But when something is just known to be absolutely true, you can't argue it. And it's not I know a very- I know from your, and that's that's my. my I hear what point. you're saying with their variations of how people practice, right? So if if something is just proven to be accurate, I think people would do it. The whole the, the, what I think happens is is a broken telephone, right? So something is said or told initially, and then throughout the course of mouths, things start to change, and they start to hear things differently. So to me, ultimately, the reason why, and it's funny because. There, I think for a lot of people that convert to different religions, they're simply seeking meaning that they didn't have somewhere else. 
and I'm not, I'm not bashing you for becoming Muslim. Like I said, before we met, we, we had this meeting to each their own, you know, like do your thing, whatever makes you happy. You find meaning in it. You have your logic. Like there are things you can tell me about Islam that I'd agree with, right? The, the, the way they pray, there is a lot missing in the Ashkenazi and the, for whoever doesn't know the European Jewish prayer. What I mean by missing is there, there are some people that are very connected to it. There, there are very nice songs and people do get very into it. And there are a lot of Ashkenazim that take prayer very seriously, but I think there's definitely something lacking in the prayer department on the European Jewish side of things. And I think many people listening to this that are European Jews will agree there isn't enough richness to it. A lot of people, they'll go into synagogue, they'll talk, they'll just kind of mumble through it. They'll just, there isn't really a strong connection. And I think it isn't, it isn't as deep as we think. I think to a large degree, it's because there's, there isn't a connection the same way Sephardic Jews have a connection to the way they pray. There's just a, a beauty to it. Muslims have that same thing. And I think there are Christians that love their prayer too, but it's not the same. When you hear, you go, you you, you um, see a video of people praying in a church and they're doing all the gospel and all that. There are people that are insanely connected to it. But I think a lot of people are just sitting in the bench, like half, half falling half asleep. Whereas with the Azan, it's something very powerful. Like there's, and I think it's even written in certain rabbinical texts where they talk about how Islamic prayer is very powerful. I've, I've heard this before and I have to see if I can find it. But it's beautiful. There's no question about it. It's very beautiful. But for me, it doesn't cause me to want to convert. I just see the beauty in it, meaning I can appreciate the beauty beauty in it and say, well, I'm still going to be Jewish. I love Judaism, but uh, it's such a beautiful thing. There are plenty of times where I've been in my car and I just put it on YouTube and I listen to it and I enjoy it. I listen to Arabic music all the time. I probably know more Arabic music than you do. (laughs) Honestly, you probably couldn't name me a singer. I don't know. Yeah, I'm probably. Um, I'm. I love Arabic music. Um, so this, I, I, I have a lot of love for it, but at the same time, like for me, just when I think from a logical standpoint, religion as a whole, there's, there's a lot of holes in it. There's a lot of. Like what? What, that, what would you say that would not make sense? That would hold you back from being a Muslim? Eh, really, at the end of the day, if like I said to you when we spoke in Instagram religion to me has a lot of beauty. There's a lot of things that make sense in it in the sense of keeping people grounded and keeping people, um, keeping people from becoming absolute nut jobs. But then again, it also helps people pushes people to become nut jobs because people will be people at the end of the day. So there are aspects of religion that bring peace and tolerance and there are aspects of religion that promote violence. And I think that we always try to sugarcoat it and rationalize all religions do is, well, it's not the religion, it's the people. Yeah, technically, but there's definitely violence that's talked about, okay? The, um, uh, the whole, well, I know this is a song and I'm not necessarily going to say it's in, uh, it's in the Quran anywhere, but they do talk about the Garquad tree, if I'm pronouncing that right. They talk about the Jaysh Muhammad, right? Like Muhammad's army. Um, so you have a, a slang that a lot of Palestinians or other Arabs say, they say like, Khaybar Ya Yahud, Jaysh Muhammad's, forget the rest of it, but uh, I can Google it. You've probably heard of it. Um, that's, not a, that's not very peaceful, you know what I'm saying? Um, so there's a, lot of, there's a lot of stuff that is definitely a derivative of that. So at the end of the day, compare all religions, all three of them. I, I, I love aspects of all of them. I think Christianity makes the least sense. 
because there are so many variations of Catholicism, Protestant, blah, 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 blah. you can go all day like that religion to me just makes absolutely no sense. So like, that's the last thing <laughs> to me, you know, Islam, I have a, an appreciation for it because it's so much more similar to Judaism. And I think people that are, people follow it more stringently. Whereas although not a, a lot of Jews are secular, not religious, even the not religious ones, there's still a very strong connection to it. There's like a, most Jews will not marry outside of, they will not marry other, they won't marry non-Jews. They won't eat pork. They'll fast in Yom Kippur. There's certain things know, that well, are very- I don't think Jews may be in like your community, but like, come on, look at all these famous people, all the famous Jews in media. Like ugh, there's so many of them, there's, especially in America. American Jews like are just completely assimilated, completely. Oh, like, for sure. It's not oh, as bad. sure. I know in the States, like to me, I'm just like shocked at the amount of like, they, they marry Christians, they marry this and that. And they're like, eat pork, eat bacon, like don't do Passover. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> I know in Canada, it's, it's, it's less, less like that. They're less assimilated. Oh, they are? Um, they're less assimilated? Yeah, they are less assimilated in Canada because there were less time, I believe, in Canada. And I think they were in America the longest. So they had the most time to assimilate. There's like studies that show that, that American Jews are like the most assimilated, um, like because it's easy because they have good times the reality is this happens to muslims as well muslims haven't been in america for as long especially in in the numbers they are now right so you have dearborn has the largest muslim population so i think when you can create a very strong muslim population like in dearborn you're going to have people that because it's such a large muslim population you don't have as much of the outside influence but i've watched documentaries on dearborn of drug problems in dearborn and yeah, um other huh I saw that video. I think that you're talking. You saw about. it, yeah. So I, I'm. I love documentaries. I love to just soak up information like this. And human nature is going to be human nature. You have Muslims that marry non-Muslims. I've met people that have like a half Arab Muslim parent and a half Christian or whatever parent. Once you start to leave your very traditional conservative society for another very open society of do whatever you want, live your truth, live your life. Then people start to assimilate. They want to try other things. The dark Arab guy wants to date the lighter, the lighter girl. Ahem. Um, that's kind of what happens because there's an attraction to it, right? The forbidden fruit tastes sweeter. There's something fascinating about the other side. You became Muslim. It's fascinating. Your Palestinian husband was probably like, oh, this beautiful, uh, light-skinned <laughs> Jewish girl, right? He and thought it was like, Arab when you met me, but... <laughs> Right, he thought you were Arab, but he, maybe, maybe he did. I'm sure he didn't think you were. I don't know if he thought you were Jewish, but either way, oh, no. he thought I was well, Arab. Oh, really? But the, yeah, but, but Arab men find Arab Indian men like in general darker men. You know how many? Think about how many Taimani guys yeah, marry Ashkenazi girls. It's just the opposites attract, especially in terms of looks. A lot of the time, lighter skinned women in, in Middle Eastern countries are, are considered to be very attractive. Even Spanish countries like. Uh, like in Colombia or Brazil, like a lighter girl is considered to be very attractive. I know it's weird, but also here, like people like darker people, like in Canada, the, the better looking girls are like the girls who are tan and this and that. Everybody likes mm -hmm. like the opposite, you know, they like, so, oh, she's exotic, you know? <laughs> yeah. So a hundred percent exotic is different for different people. Like in the Arab world, whiter is exotic, but in, in the, 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 the Western world, darker is exotic. It's just the opposite. Like that's all it is. So it's interesting. Yeah, I know, I know. Arabs have also Israeli men, I think, but they have this weird like thing, like for especially Russians, like I'm like pale, 
but I'm not like, you know, I'm not like the standard because I still don't have like, you know, I'm not Russian. I don't have blonde hair, blue eyes, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. super fine European features, you know, right. like those like small noses and stuff. I'm still Jewish. So. <laughs> you, don't don't, know, you don't have a, you still have a Jewish nose? <laughs> kind of. <laughs> it's, hard, it's hard to tell with the thing, but anyway, with the, the cop. But anyways, yeah, I, I'm like, I don't have a big one. It's It's definitely... Huh? Regular nose. You don't have a big nose, no a Jewish nose. I wouldn't say. Yeah. Well, I'm half. Ita- I'm half Italian, actually. My father's yeah, Italian. Italian. Yeah. My father. My especially yeah. when I get a haircut. Now my hair is all like long, but usually I get a, like a faded haircut. I honestly, you're you're. I get very similar haircut to your husband. He's just darker than I am, and has like I guess darker hair and all that. But uh, yeah, I get the same like fade over here, longer hair, the beard, whatever. So, okay, so there's so much to talk about. And what's so funny is I had a feeling this would happen. I had a feeling we would get along pretty well. Like, we get along nicely. Um, we have our disagreements for sure. You know, we, we, I mean, we talked about a lot of things. We talked about the, um, the weddings, the Arab weddings, or the Shahid ceremonies where you have a bunch of people with guns. By the way, mind you, my editor is from Pakistan. His name is Ahmed. And he is not pro-Israel. Like this is the craziest thing. I don't know. He might have started to change his thoughts a little bit. I'm not trying to call him out because he's going to be listening to this. This is a, he's going to probably love this episode. He, I imagine, I don't know what his what his thoughts are now, and if he's watched a lot of my videos, maybe he's had some different views on on things. Probably not, just because people have confirmation bias. And what my 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 real estate coach actually just spoke about this. Confirmation bias is when you believe something so strongly, you're going to look for evidence to further prove that what you believe is true, right? So when you were a Zionist, you went, you looked for every reason to believe that being a Zionist made sense. And now that you're, now that you're an anti-Zionist, you're looking for everything for you to prove your belief that anti-Zionism makes sense. And that's why it's important, as my coach was talking about, to be able to keep a fluid mind and always be open to change of thoughts and and uh kind of questioning your beliefs do, do you ever miss kugel do you ever when you're when you're in like uh i mean my mom's friend like makes up and brings it over but my mom never made that so i don't know but yeah, yeah i can about... still have kugel when i'm at my mom's house if her friend brings it over but i don't really like the way she makes it that much but yeah Pretty good. Kugel, Kugel was never really my thing. I'm Ashkenazi from my mother's side, but I'm such a Sephardi at heart. Like all, most of my close friends, the majority are Sephardi. I'm probably going to marry a Sephardi girl. Um, I eat everything. Like Moroccan. Hilarious. Hilarious. Yes, I'm gonna. I'm gonna move right next door to you, and and you'll you'll yeah, you find me a nice Muslim girl. <laughs> Listen, all respect to you. It's all good. You don't do your thing. Um, and I, I watch how, like, at the end of the after the episode for the next like three months, you're sending me like, you know, Islamic stuff. Like, try it out. You never know. You know. No, I don't, I'm not pushy. <laughs> you have like a vein on your head right here. Because okay. Anyways, um, so a couple of a couple of like big questions. First of all, we were talking about confirmation bias, right? And at the end of the day, people will really and and most humans are guilty of this, right? We we want what we know and have been taught our entire lives to make sense, right? Totally going into a different conversation. It's related, but it's going somewhere completely different. When you were growing up, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be your psychologist here, but I am trying to kind of get a feel of 
what made you go in a different, take a different trajectory. Were you somebody like growing up in elementary school and high school that you'd say was pretty popular? Like, did you grow up kind of having a lot of friends and things like that? Or not really? Uh, no, we had a really small school. So like in my elementary class, for example, like I remember sixth grade, we were like 12 kids. So it was like weird. I had few friends, but we were like 12 kids. So no, I wouldn't say I was popular, but I mean, I wasn't that bad. At least not in high school. I mean, at least not in elementary school. I was like the class president. So I wasn't that bad. Like I was voted were you, for. Were so you the, the goody two shoes, the A plus student all the time? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> you were always like doing, getting the good grades and doing all that? Uh, yeah. Okay. I was always a good student. Um, yeah, but I always felt underappreciated because like I have a big mouth. So I always talked a lot in class and teachers would be like, oh, you're disruptive, you're annoying. But I still got good grades. So they probably respected you for it, though, at the end of the day. Like people, people will complain about having difficult children, whether they're teachers or parents. But a difficult children are usually people who grow up to question things and be leaders because they, they're thought provoking. They're not just, okay, whatever you say, sure. Huh? They might be easier to deal with, but teachers find, I find that a lot of teachers will find a love for a student that's kind of rebellious in a way because yeah. the teacher almost sees this as, a, as an intelligent kid, not almost sees it. This, it's an intelligent kid. Even if the kid misbehaves a lot, the kid is willing to question authority. The kid is willing to go against the grain. There's something intriguing and fascinating to that about that. Um, and I think just in general human nature, there's always going to be an attraction for rebellion. You know, mafia movies, criminal movies, people, your everyday average person is fascinated by people who, who challenge the norm, right? And you're somebody yeah, who quite I frankly... I still was like great issues. So huh? I still was a great issues. Like I wouldn't like break any 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 rules or whatever because I was, I don't know, scared. Oh, okay. Okay. So, no, so, the, I wasn't so you weren't rebellious. a rebellious person. You, you just like kind of, you, you did well. You had your questions, but you were well-behaved. Yeah, I'd say I was. I mean, I think so. I don't know. Okay. Do you feel like you were always kind of looking for very, do you, were you always very passionate about things? Um, yeah, I was always very passionate. I'm a very passionate person about many things. But yeah, I mean, in high school, definitely, I wasn't popular. But like, I, I didn't like how everybody was. And I'm sure like people from my high school, I see that they're looking at my stories. And I'm sure they're like, weirdo. They're, comment they're <laughs> commenting on everything? Like you see your no, people from school? They're looking at my stories. But I, I didn't know that they saw myself until I, I, I started an Instagram because on TikTok, I can't see who looks at my videos. How do you think they found you though? If you're all covered up, did they just, one person, how did they even come up? Hmm? One person recognized me and then, I don't I'm not sure how, but I guess, it's funny because I thought I was covered up, but then after like people, no, come on, your voice, me. your voice, your mannerisms, like you can cover yeah. up all you want. But if someone grew up with you, if I grew up with you, I would know who you were right away. Exactly. Like, Even people that like don't know me, that like some people that I knew from online who never met me in real life, like is this your is this your TikTok? <laughs> people from work were like, bro, I saw your TikTok, and I started getting so embarrassed because I don't like being. I find it so cringy when people know who I am. So like. Uh, I almost had like a heart attack when I started seeing people like looking at my stuff that know me but whatever I got over it but yeah so I know people see me from my school and like they constantly look at my, at my like stories like every day there's the same people on my stories and like I know they're coming back because it's like every day um but yeah so those people I didn't really like when I was in high school yeah I didn't really like these people 
Interesting. Okay. So you would say in high school, you weren't really the most popular person. No, no, definitely not. No. <laughs> okay. Were, were, were kids night were they nice to you or are they like annoyed you? Um, in my school, there was, I wouldn't say there was real bullying. No one was ever bullying. And also I'm not someone that I don't think you can bully because I really mm. don't give a damn what people say about me. Right, right, right. So like, I know people were like, whatever there was like people would like they would make organize these parties and like have like you know house parties and stuff and obviously me and my friends like I had like three other friends we wouldn't be invited to these mm. type of things but I didn't care and like they would like try so hard and like I would make my own things I would go to my own place and make my own parties and whatever and like post it on Facebook you know let's post pictures of us and I remember like I was in a class and I saw two girls in front of me like literally looking through my Facebook pics of like me going out and like doing things. I was like, what the hell is wrong with you people? And they would just like be like, oh my God, she thinks she's so cool, blah, blah, blah. And I think what bothered them was the fact that I didn't care that didn't they were out of all these things. And mm-hmm. they like got this power from like being like wanted and like everyone wants to be their friend and everyone wants to like them. But I was like, I don't, the, these type of people are not people I want to be friends with. You know what I mean? Like I didn't know. I didn't grow up rich. I grew up with like a single mom. So I didn't have like half of the things they did. You know, they had like laptops, iPhones. Oh, I resonate with that. I resonate with that so much. I grew up with just my grandmother and we we grew up very poor in a basement and she was able to have friends. I mean, she worked nine to five. I always had the necessities, never had any luxuries, did not have a car growing up. I had to take public transportation everywhere. No one, no one in my family drove. She has a few sons. None of my uncles drove at the time. They both have bad eyesight. So they just, nobody drove. So I, all my friends were getting driven around, carpooled everywhere. I had to take the buses and trains. Not a big deal. My mom didn't drive. And like, Mm -hmm. I didn't have anyone else in my family because like everybody didn't live here. Mm -hmm. My grandmother doesn't drive because she's old. And that's all I had. So I like was taking the bus since I was in the fourth grade, you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, I don't know. People had these parties. They had like, and even as a kid, I couldn't go to birthday parties because I had no way of getting there. So I would like cry, but whatever. <laughs> I was like, get over it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so like, I, I grew up not like these kids. So like, I also didn't like how superficial they were. And, like I went to a Jewish school and it was private and we got in because of like financial aid. We have like Jewish committees who like, you know, pay for, for. Yeah. My grandmother had, had people help her out too. It's funny. It's the exactly. same, same story. Yeah, so basically, I didn't know. Like, I heard people crying. They're like, oh, I went to this, like, I heard kids talking. Like, yeah, I was on this cruise, and, like, the room was so bad. It was so small. I had to sleep on a bunk bed. I'm like, yeah. I live Shut in a up. <laughs> Shut up. You got to go on a cruise. What right do you have to complain? Yeah, yeah exactly. It would like, be like my- a normal thing, like, vacations. Like, I never in my life went on a family vacation. You know what I mean? In my life. So to me, it's not. It's, I have a different re- reality than these kids, and they mm-hmm. just, like, I just didn't want to be them if even today if i met them today i don't like privilege i don't i don't resonate i'm not i don't like them but i just can't resonate with them i can't relate to them and thus i my friends none of my friends i've never had any rich friends either like all my friends have well, never I, guess, been. I guess i guess uh moving to dubai is not on your list of, of to do's huh gosh there's like a part of me who wants it but then i'm like no <laughs> well i'm just so, saying that's where the privileged arabs live so since you, yeah, you uh, since that's you moved thing, on to yeah, like I'm like I don't want to be part of that, but obviously, like with social media and everything, they it, they create that oh, desire. Those, oh that. my god, the children um, of those billionaires! You want to talk about entitled and rich and all that? They're used to a standard that most wealthy Jews don't even can't even fathom. Yeah, 
like also weird. here like if you go to like uh, some cities in here like tel aviv like near tel aviv herzliya these people have like gorgeous houses and it's just astonishing yeah. to because they have like beautiful houses with pools and whatnot and then you know where i live it's like there's like 20 people living in a small place because we don't have building permits well there are also arab israeli areas where that's a lot of the nicer cars in israel are arab the arabs have yeah, but by they the way. buy stuff they can't afford just because they like having nice things my husband is without any money you know there's also a lot of moroccan jews who do that i think ashkenazi jews are like not as much like that but i know a lot of moroccans right. at least my experience they pretend they're rich but they're not rich it's syrians but in in, in america in america at least in, Moroccan, in, it's yeah. syrians who do it more than anybody so sorry to put syrians on blast but i'm not sorry not sorry you know they're like notorious for that a lot of them do have money but a lot of them don't and yeah. they will they they have to have a certain standard like if they don't meet a certain standard of car or house they are just not an accepted part of the community it's crazy but like they have to keep up with the joneses yeah, like a lot requirement. of a lot of communities have that. So for, for me, when I grew up, it was like the Moroccan Jews, like mm-hmm. we knew like they didn't really have much money, but like they always had the gorgeous, like expensive cars. They had expensive like jackets that cost thousand dollars. But like when you knew like, mm-hmm. oh, their mom doesn't work. Their dad does like this, not such a good job, but they always had this like standard of like, you know, and a lot of Arabs here too, that too. Like I see a lot of them. They're like, what's up with that? Why are they, why are they so car obsessed? I, I don't know. I think they just like cars. Like for example, my brother-in-law, he has like a Cadillac, like a really nice Cadillac, but I'm like, he lives there, still. Like, yeah. They have cat. Ne- I don't think I've ever seen a Cadillac. It's very expensive to get a Cadillac here. Like very, like imagine how expensive it is to get in the States. How it's does he even get the parts? Expensive. It's an American car. It's not even like a German or your, or, or, or Japanese well, car. They, it's import, American. they import stuff. Also, he's mm-hmm. in like his, his father is a mechanic and he also worked at his oh. father's mechanic shop so he knows like how to deal with cars the way, way, that real quick that reminds me i was in a i was in a, a pillbox you know what a pillbox is right it's those watchtowers yeah, yeah, yeah. so i was in one of those and i was there was a mechanic shop an arab mechanic shop it was right outside of what was the village <sighs> dear, dear nizam i forget the name of the village anyway they were listening to it. You, you ever heard of Subliminal, the, the rap group? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, they were listening to a very Zionistic song, and it made no sense. I was like, did they understand what they're listening to? I was like, what? Yeah, I know Subliminal. I was like, what is going on? They're, <laughs> they're literally fixing a car, right? They're wearing the tracksuits. They got the haircuts, right? The, the classic RC haircuts. And they're just listening to Subliminal and Hatzel, and they're going off on, on you know, Israel and everything. And I'm like, this is a joke right i was like so i was mind blown i I was like i was like i guess they just like how it sounds because they have to understand it they deal with like israelis all the time they definitely understand what they're talking about it's hebrew yeah so but it was like didn't make any sense it was like it was like an israeli mechanic listen to like well this i wouldn't say it's that extreme but like a hamas nasheed or something like i i I don't know i think that's a little different but (laughs) anyways now with you see i'm pretty well versed in this stuff right for an american jewish guy yeah. I know more stuff That's than you think yeah. because I'm like, I really stuff really fascinates me. So here's another couple of things. First of all, does your, does your husband know that we're having this discussion? Yeah. I told him, he was like, do what you want. I don't know. And he, he knows, he trap, and he, but and he like, knows, no. and he knows like the details about me or like you kept that a secret. My my husband, I would say, is I, I, I'm not extreme. Okay. So don't, I don't know, but you, but I'm saying, <laughs> my you know, my, 
than me. So why, why? If people see me as extreme, my husband is less extreme than me. Like he's just like my. No, but I'm saying in terms of like my my army experience. Like, did yeah, you tell him he, that part? No, but he, I don't think he'd care that much. Is what I'm saying. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Like he like I guess he grew up here, so he's more used to like these kind of things. Like whatever. It's a guy in the army. Like who isn't? <laughs> like every single dude I know, Jewish guy mm. I know is in the army, so it's normal for him, right? Yeah, I guess that's fair. But then again, I'm an American guy, like doing a podcast with you. Meaning, like, it's one thing to know them; it's another thing to like have a discussion with them. So, I was, I mean, yeah, yeah, I was just interested in like if you totally kept it a secret, or if you're like your your husband no. would be really mad at you, or no, 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 cool. no, he's right okay. there. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. So it's cool that he's that he's accepting of it. Does he does he understand like what we're talking about? Like, could he understand us even? Mm, probably not. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. so you speak to him in, in Hebrew mainly, right? Hebrew and Arabic, yeah, but mainly Hebrew, yeah. But transitioning how, towards Arabic. So, much. how good is your how good is your Arabic at this point? I mean, it's pretty simple, like pretty. I not very good, but I can say like basic things, like where are you? Where do you want to go? I'm hungry. So, how do you talk with other people? Like, if you're if you're meeting his family, or you're meeting his friends, you're sitting down and having a, a nargile, having a shisha or you're at like a, what do you do when you're at a shop like you're at a restaurant so you guys are speaking in Hebrew together like do you feel it's little... awkward. like it's awkward yeah when I'm in the West Bank like I prefer not to like speak Hebrew um just because it's just weird people will both be looking at me and I don't want that attention yeah so what do you do so I just kind of speak Hebrew uh, I mean sorry I speak Arabic mostly uh, basic things or I could just like speak in a low voice in Hebrew I'm like oh but my, my, my Arabic is not that bad, I guess. But we don't go that much. Usually we, we go around and we speak in Hebrew. Like In the car, it's comfortable. Scared. In the car, you could just be yourself and like let it out because no other Arabs are there to like, why is this girl, in it? Why is this girl wearing a hijab yeah. speaking Hebrew with her husband? What's going on here? Because they probably might understand like, okay, maybe like, you know, she's a convert. But I, I don't because it does happen. But no, they're aware of this, but I just don't want that attention. But like, for example, one time I remember what happened. That was the first time I came here. Um, and like, I didn't speak Arabic, like at all. So I remember there, I was at a shop and I was like looking for a broom. And like, there was a guy crouched and he was like doing stuff. He worked there. I didn't see his face. So I didn't know if he was Arab or Jewish or whatever. And I was like, excuse me, do you guys have a broom in Hebrew? And he turns around. He's like, what? He didn't know like, what the broom word meant. He's like, then after he saw that I was a hijabi, so he was like speaking to me in Arabic, like, oh, what are you looking for? And I was like, <laughs> it was so awkward. And I was like, English? He's like, no. And I'm like, uh, matate, matate. <laughs> he was like, why is this girl speaking to me in Hebrew? Hebrew? And he was so confused. and I was so uncomfortable. And I was like, I'll be back. And I just brought my husband and I'm like, speak. <laughs> oh, my God. Did he explain that, that you converted and all that? No, no. He was just like, uh, where is this? And he was like, oh, it's over there. Well, that's so interesting. Well, here's another thing also. Did your husband believe you from the beginning or did he think this was some kind of like, like, did he have time, a little bit of trouble trusting you in the beginning? Like, who knows? Like, maybe, you know, Um, you know where I'm going with that. No, I don't think he thought like I was a spy. He told me after that (laughs) he had a doubt. He was like, is she a spy? But like, he never... I never felt that when we are getting to know each other. Like I think um, Fauda, I think shows like Fauda have like well, forget about the show, but like because the stuff, it's not really common with women though. Yeah, he has. 
yeah um yeah it's just yeah it's not very common with women but also at the same time and um, people ask me that i'm like if i was um like a Mossad agent, I wouldn't say I was Jewish. I would just pretend I'm Muslim. You know, like what would be the point? Oh, hundred percent. Oh, there's too many. Yeah, there's too many things that make no sense. Yeah, like, I'd be the- like I would just say I'm Arab, and like I can pass for an Arab if I wear a hijab. Like right, right, right. Like no, they, they wouldn't be. It wouldn't be done that way. It would make no sense. Um, yeah. So basically, we, we've been having a long conversation. So you know, you might have things to do. I don't want to keep you too long if you're if you're busy, but. Uh, just in terms of the whole conflict, right? Because we went in a lot into why you converted and all that stuff. So, you know, now that we are where we are, you know, the the wars have happened. The Jews are, are the ones that have the power. What do you think is a is a better solution going forward, right? Now, you clearly, I don't know where you're not clearly. That's why well, I'll ask you. What do you think makes sense now? Are you... In, whether you want to be fully honest with me or not is up to you. Do you prefer that all the Jews leave, which is not going to, I mean, it's not going to happen, but do you prefer that they all just picked up and left and that it was, you know, the flag of Palestine was put in the ground and it was called Palestine according to the rest of the world. What, what do you, what would you like to happen in theory? And what do you, and what do you think realistically would be the best possible way to go about things? Well, I don't think it would. I, I don't see an, a need to like have Jews leave because, I mean, you can't really. A lot of Jews were there since the beginning for a lot of times. Yeah, there's a lot of people who come from like Russia and random places, and they're like, "Yeah, I'm Jewish." Blah blah blah. I deserve to be here. They're already here. They started a base. So, like, obviously, I'm not for expulsions of people. Just like I'm against the expulsion of Palestinians. You know, during 1948, 700,000 Palestinians. Um, I'm against. Yeah, so I think uh, any displacement. So I think just stopping mass, you know, migration of Jews from a bunch of different countries while stop doing that while simultaneously denying the right of Palestinians to return, you know. So uh, the right to return thing for Jews only makes no sense. What would be fair is giving the right to Palestinians to return. Those who have like, you know, proof that they were here for the years, they have like properties and whatnot. And okay, well, where do they go? Do they become Israeli citizens or do they just go to the they West become, Bank? They become citizens of a one neutral state. It doesn't really matter so much what you call this neutral state, like whether you call it Palestine or something else or Beit this, you know. Um, but, but also, how do you rule a state? Because you're going to have Western values of women wearing bikinis on beaches and then you're going to have... Arab, strong Arab values of being fully covered, no gay rights, freedom of speech, probably not that, not that great. Uh, you know, you're going to have guns at weddings. What you say? It doesn't have to be an Islamic country. There are Palestinian Christians and, and there's Jews. So it doesn't have to be a, a Muslim country. It can just be uh, like Lebanon, for example. It's not... It's not like, you know, there's still like parties, alcohol, beaches, bikinis. There's still a lot of that, you know, it can be something like that. There is that. There is that. And, it, and there were times where Lebanon was really flourishing. <clears throat> now it's an absolute hole. Um, it's really their economy is in the crapper right now. Um, but yeah, there were times even in Syria where people really live side by side. Yeah, it should be something like that, ideally, because... 
I mean, it's not going to be a majority Muslim country even at all. So that should be kept in mind. It could be a, a mixed a mixed state. There's going to be a lot of Jews and a lot of Muslims and then some Christians. Well, it would pretty much be like even if you put all the all the Arabs and Palestinians like in in you know if everyone lived amongst amongst each other, it wouldn't it might be partially majority Jewish. It wouldn't be such a majority anymore. Yeah. Um, so, and that's yeah. yeah. So I mean, that, that's why it's so difficult. Is like someone has to rule the land, though. You you can't just you can't just have the Arabs and Jews just sharing it together. Someone's going to want to lead the other one. That's what I have a heart. I think in theory it sounds nice, where everyone's just living amongst each other. The problem is, I think that there's a lot of Jews that are not okay with sharing it, and I think there are a lot of Palestinians that are not okay with sharing it. I think the least that could happen is that, you know, stop calling it a Jewish state for Jewish people. Like Netanyahu says, it's not a state for all its citizens, it's a state for Jewish citizens. Stuff like that, no, that needs to go. Having a Star of David makes it a Jewish state. Yeah, but why the Arab... My, my thing is, and this is not going to be fair to the Palestinians, but quite frankly, like, I, again, all is fair in love and war. I'm not trying to sound... Uh, I'm not trying to sound like I don't care about other people. At the same time, you have so many Arab countries. Now, that doesn't mean that the Palestinians are supposed to just be like, oh, okay, well, you know, we have 22 other Arab countries. They, This Rafi guy makes a point. Let me just pick up and go to Jordan because, well, I, I guess we have enough land. Like, I, I totally understand that just because there's a lot of Arab land doesn't mean that they want to go anywhere, right? They feel their it's their house as much as any other Jews. I get that. At the same time, for some reason, I feel like because, and I know this sounds like some sort of victim thing to say, but Jewish people want a small part of land compared to how much Arab, Arab land there is. And they're, like I said, when we were on Instagram, we're kicked out of so many other parts of the world throughout history. You got to put the Jews somewhere at this point. And I know it's a funny thing to say, but... I think just like any other group, they should have their own place to go to. So, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it caused a lot of suffering in that process. But uh, I don't, that's kind of how the world has worked. What's that noise? Uh, it's a notification on my okay. phone. Um, yeah, so I mean, it's very, this is probably one of the hardest, this is the hardest conflict to solve. I mean, it has been forever. So I don't, I mean, I wish I had a solution. <laughs> I mean, this is. Not an easy solution, obviously not. Um, but there are steps that can be taken, you know, in order to make things better, like stop expanding settlements and annexing land and whatnot. And well, what do you think the Palestinians are doing that they should stop doing? Right, because now that you're so anti-Zionist, I feel like you're so much on the other side now. You see, well, we're kind of better leadership, I guess. We're kind of having a better leadership. What kind of leadership do they? Do, what do you think they have? What makes the, their leadership bad, and what do you think would make it better? Um, I think just like, for example, like, I don't know, Hamas is not the best, it's not a good representation or leader for its people. Maybe, I, I don't know what else. Doesn't it make you wonder they were voted in, right? Like they supposedly they were voted in. Do you, do you know if they were, or they weren't? I don't know. That they were, that's know. what they say that they were actually voted in, which means that even though. Since what did you say? Maybe at first, but they've been in power since without. Well, power. yeah, because again, it's an it's an Arab. So was Abbas. So is what's his? Uh, I forget what they call him, but uh, Abbas. 
This is Arab Leadership 101. They don't really have elections in most places. Like you have a guy, he gets either, however he gets put into power. And then he just is like, well, I like this. I like this big castle. And I like all these random midwives and side chicks. And, you know, it's nice. <laughs> like if you grow up a very poor Arab in a country and you somehow make it to the top, you don't want to give up that role, give up that position. Yeah. So it's like, that's, I think, a large problem with Arab leadership in general. Now, there's also the idea of, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'm sure there's, it's, it's not happening everywhere, but there's definitely uh, parts of Arab society where, you know, they'll, if there's an informant in the family, they'll kind of get rid of them, stuff like that. Like, does that not, that should, that doesn't bother you because you're doing your thing, like you're real with your life or whatever, but doesn't that kind of worry you? Like if you know somebody that, decides to become an informant for Israel, like their family might kill them. Or if somebody cheats on somebody, they might be killed, like stuff like that. Or like, you know, they call them honor killings. Like, does that stuff kind of, just the way that the stringencies, does that culture? I don't, um, not, no, I don't, I don't think it does. It doesn't worry me. I mean, no. Um, I don't, there's like, no. I mean, there's gonna things gonna happen either way. Um, everywhere things happen, like bad things. So I don't know. I don't think that's something that has really anything to do with the conflict at hand mm-hmm. or a solution or what the solution should or shouldn't be. Um, yeah, I don't. That doesn't really have uh, like basically, and doesn't weigh on. Doesn't have an effect on like how I how I see things. You know, I mean, yeah the. It's bad, like, you know, like how, like, like the leadership that they have now, um, there's a lot of corruption and stuff like that. So there needs to be like, you know, maybe a revolution or something. Um, but that's things that, you know, you have to work on one thing at a time. Um, so first working on like making more just practices, you know, like Israelis making more just practices and little by little things can can change, I guess. It's not like one drastic thing like, hey. Israel leaves Palestine. It's called Palestine now. Everything is going to be happy. No, there needs to be like step by step changes, for sure. It's not uh, an easy. I mean, there's a lot of changes that need to be done, but I mean, and there's definitely discrimination and and on both sides. And I like I said to you before the episode, I think a lot of that is human nature. Doesn't mean that we should just accept it as is. We should always try to work on it. But I think because people are tribal by nature. And people, uh, people naturally prefer their own kind over other people. Like they're going to prioritize family because it's it's common, it's known. They're familiar with it, with people that are like them. You're na- you're naturally going to look at outsiders as different. Now, some people, like you and I, I think, can look at outsiders as different, but still understand them and say, okay, well, they're different, but I'm okay with that. Then there are many other people who say they're different. I don't like that, right? And that's the, that's how a lot of people are. And I, because I understand it, I don't really, I understand that it's always going to exist to some degree. Like we can minimize it, but we're, I don't think as human beings, we're ever going to fully get rid of racism. It's always going to be racism, prejudice, preferences, hatred. It's, it's unfortunate, but I think that's kind of how God created the world. And I think it serves its purpose. Just like how there are just bad things in the world that serve their purpose. Um, I don't know. What do you think about that? I mean, yeah, I guess I can agree with that. Um well, like, yeah, there's going to be bad things, but there's there's some things that are just, like, too much that, that needs to still be changed, you know. There's still some level of, like, you know, respect that needs to be 
had. There, there can be always racism within people, like whatever. But systemic racism is a whole different is a whole different story, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, I I can't change, you know, like this guy thinking badly of his neighbor because his neighbor is a different religion as him. Mm-hmm. But you know, that's just one thing. It's a different story if there's like policies that you know make this hard for them. You yeah, know, no, like, I completely, I completely like, agree. So, I mean, yeah, there's always going to be racism. There's racism everywhere, even in Canada. But I feel at least here, there aren't groups that are treated. I mean, the, there still is systemic racism, but it's not as, as bad as in other places, you know. It's still, we still have the same basic rights. <laughs> yeah. Um, what I find just interesting about a lot of your posts now, like on Instagram, is that it, you, it seems like you're only kind of showing the the palestinian side now yeah yeah and i i don't say that i don't and i do this for the same reason that i we don't see any i, I don't see personally any zionists or or on on in tiktok on anything that posts like hey look um this is what's happening look what look what look what these people are doing look what they're yelling and they just gloss over it and then they they say oh look you guys never post the other side but then they don't do that so i'm like you know what <laughs> then i won't do it okay. It's kind of, yeah, well, that's kind of, I don't know how that's a good argument either. But yeah, I'm just saying that, like, here's the thing. Here's my perspective. And you, it's your life. Do what you want. You were on, one, you were on one, one side. Now you're on the other side, right? And now as a convert, it kind of is like, well, if there's two sides of the story and you came from the other side and you're not telling the other side of the story, well, you tell you like your heritage, but you don't really talk about both sides of the story it's like okay well then there's a lot missing there right so it's playing I mean, this game I about the other side like the reasons why i was is because i was told i was fed like just one side of the story and i've seen this a lot of times i was only seeing violence from one side and i've said it before on my tiktok i don't post about all these um events exactly but you know i was I mean, people already see it. That's the thing. They can see what they want to see. Um, That's all it is. But like this stuff never, honestly, this stuff is never ending. It's like just watching these, these media outlets show one side and then have, you know, stand with us. We'll show this. And then you'll have uh, Ion Palestine. We'll show that. And it's like, and I'll see incongruencies on both sides. I'll look at it and be like, but that's not how it is. And I'll, like on both ends, you know, I'll be like, like the Arab media will, will claim these things. And it's like, that's not what's going on. And then you'll have the Jewish side doing something. And I'm like, that's not really what it is, you know? And uh, yeah, it's, but that's what it is. It's, it's human nature. Like at the end of the day, like I told you, because we had these wars, somebody got the bad end of the stick. The Arabs, the Palestinians got the bad end of the stick. It's unfortunate. I'm not saying it because I don't care. It, it's it's unfortunate. It sucks. Like the, now the world's like, well, why can't they both kind of have it the way they want? Well, it's like, well, it doesn't like life. Life doesn't really work that way. It sucks. But like now the Arab, now the Palestinians are like, well, you know, we want our land and we want this and we want that. It's like, well, war happened, guys. So I don't I don't really know if there's going to ever be a time where both sides are just going to be blissful and happy and dancing in the rain. 
Yeah, war happens. Like, wars will keep happening, and then yeah. I just I just don't understand why some people think that that Palestinians should remain complacent and they should just accept just accept it the same way that yeah. Israel fought for. So if for for you know, I don't think they should. I I completely understand why they're why they're Palestine fighting and why they're doing things. I I get why they do what they do, but at the same time, they lost. And I think the more they try, and I don't blame them for for like wanting to fight back and like take it back or do whatever. The, like I understand the psychology of it. I do understand it. I think also, and this is going to sound very, it's going to sound racist, but I, I've like just through research, and I had a there's a guy named God Saad. Have you ever heard of him? Who? Have you? Who have I heard of? His who? name is God. He's he's a He's a Jewish guy from, I think he's Lebanese. Yeah, he's Lebanese-Canadian, actually. He's a Jewish, he's a Jewish-Lebanese-Canadian. And he's a, uh, God said, is a Lebanese-born Canadian professor of marketing at the John Molson School of Business at Concordia University. Okay, I'm going to send something to you, and you should really watch this. And this, he... Saad, what? His name? Saad. Saad, like, like, Saad. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. He's a Jewish guy. He's a Jew, clearly a Sephardi guy. And he did an episode with Joe Rogan. You ever heard of Joe Rogan? Yes, I have. Okay. So God Saad did, an, did, I think, more than one episode, but he talks about... So Joe Rogan has a deal with Spotify now. So he doesn't... His full YouTube episodes are not on YouTube. They're on Spotify. So do you have... I don't know if you have... Do you have Spotify? Um, I don't have Spotify premium, so I can't really... Uh, Spotify is haram. <laughs> I can't really <laughs> benefit from, you know, watching okay. stuff with. Well, all I'm saying is they did an episode together, and God really goes into Arab culture and and the psychology of of Arab culture and why they do certain things and yada yada. Um, I think there is an aspect of Arab culture that likes. They're very passionate. They're very emotional people, just like Sephardic Jews. They're just very heated. There's a lot of love. There's a lot of hospitality and like giving and all that. But then there's also a lot of fiery passion. We're like, they're always fighting for something. There's always a revolution and there's always, they're always ousting a government and there's always a rebellion. And there's always like, it's almost like it, it's what brings them together. It's like what makes them feel alive. There's always something going on in an Arab country where it's like, our leader is bad. We have to fight and we have to this and we have to that. And it's like, to on one end, it's a good thing because they're, they're willing to stand up for themselves and protest and fight. On the other hand, it's like, it always seems like there's another reason to fight. And yeah, there's American, we're not, you know, I, we spoke about this. I'm not going to deny that America has, has, you know, shoved their foot in, in different countries for their own gain. Europeans have done that too, where these, Middle Eastern countries were some of these countries were doing perfectly fine. Were they wealthy? No, they weren't wealthy. They were living their lives the way they wanted to. And America's, we need to make them a democracy. It's like, they didn't really ask you to, they didn't ask you for their opinion. You know what I mean? So I hear that. Let them be the way they want to be. Leave them alone. If they're not bothering you, don't bother them. If Afghanistan wants to have the Taliban, well, they don't have the choice. The Taliban does what they do. But there are Afghanis who probably want them to be there. So let them be. It is what it is. You don't need American soldiers there pushing their agenda, yada, yada. They want to do what they want to do. Let them do. Um, now, one thing I wanted to discuss was your, your mom. Like, I, how, come, how come you don't, how come you haven't fully moved to uh, Al-Quds? 
I have a school in, in Canada. You what? School. You have school in Canada. Oh, you're still in school. Yeah. Yeah. You live a fascinating life, young lady. You are you are a niqab wearing Jewish girl living in Jerusalem. Wow, you have a story. Crazy. <laughs> okay, so you so what are you studying in school? Um I'm doing a master's now. In in like psych, it's called master's a Kanafa, psychology. Kanafa degree. <laughs> psychiatry, but it's mental health basically. Wow, that's crazy! So you're gonna be a psychiatrist? No, no, no. I don't think I'll be a psychiatrist because psychiatry you have to do med school. But maybe my mom was like, you should do it after. This is I don't know why it's in the. Hold on, if anyone, if you were doing psychiatry and someone comes into your office and they're like, "All right, well, calling you M, M, I don't, I don't know if." if you're ready for the story and you're like, Oh, you don't know if you're ready for your story. If you don't know if I'm ready for your story, I got a story for you. <laughs> yeah. No, I'll be like, that's me. Nothing surprises me. But yeah, I, think <laughs> I would maybe like to do like psychology or psychiatry or something like that. But this is just a research based um, um, degree. So it's not like practical. It's, it's, it's like all of it is basically my, like there's only like six, nine credits. So three courses of, of three credit and three courses of like, courses and the rest is just my thesis so mm -hmm. okay how much do you have left for for, for your master's i'm starting in september <laughs> you're starting your degree in september my, i just finished in april um last april um my my bachelor's and now i'm doing my do you, do you mind if i ask your age i'm 20 like, i'm 20 23 oh okay so you're, you're younger i'm 28 um okay okay so that actually makes sense i finished well because because of i went to i went to the army so that's why i finished my service around the same time uh i finished my last year of college at 20 about 24 just because i you know took time off and yada yada so yeah that's interesting okay that's awesome okay so so how often are you in canada how often are you are you here um, I'm not often here. I, I was working in I was working in Canada, and then I just came here uh, before I start my degree because then after I don't know how much I can visit, so I decided to be here for five months, five six months, half a year. Um, yeah, because after I graduated, I was gonna work for a whole year, but I didn't work for a whole year. I worked, and then I came here, and now I don't work. I'm here. <laughs> uh, now you're just not working. Like he's you know takes care of the bills. Yeah, and I'm just chilling. <laughs> so what do you do all day? um i like don't do much honestly doesn't that make you crazy though doesn't that drive you nuts like what do you do what do you, well, you like, crazy? sometimes like buy stuff and then like i work on like i'm doing cross stitching now i do some cross stitching like some embroidery so you've really become like a traditional muslim bride like you're just like <laughs> you, you don't do shit if excuse my french yeah i watched Mom. doesn't that make it doesn't make you bored though like what do you do you stare, you're on social media all the time commenting on people that are giving you crap for your posts like people that went to high school with you so you're commenting like idiot i don't like you anyway but like no. other than that <laughs> other than buying random hijabs and and hookah pieces for your husband and he buys you chocolate and whatever else saying so like what do you do like you wake up at a certain hour it sounds like well you you go to you wake up pretty late I well now it's Ramadan so I don't do much but I mean like what do people do who don't work like what do unemployed people do 
in I, general. Honestly, that would drive me insane. How do you not, like your brain, how do you keep yourself busy? I, can, I do stuff that are stimulating. I still like watch, like I can watch documentaries and I watch like stuff on YouTube, teach me stuff. Do you like um, that? You like being stay at home? Wife? I do like it. Like I like both of them. I don't, it's not something I want to do full time. Like I don't like, usually like I go, I work full time and like I'm used to working full time and doing school and that's, sucks also in another way they both kind of suck nothing is really ideal what would be ideal is just like traveling all the time you know well at least when you have kids then you'll be occupied with with kids but before you have kids you're just bored out of your mind and your brain is like yeah of course you're learning things with documentaries and you keep yourself busy but in the grand scheme of things i don't know how people like if if you're a a wife without kids and you're stay at home like i I don't know i don't know i mean there's still stuff to do like like i don't know like organize things and but like i'd rather like if i want to work i can work but like oh eventually if i want to work i can work but like it's also hard to find a job for me here and the only like i don't even know where i would work here like what at a grocery store like what would i do like my language my 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 well, that's also another issue is like the you, you you literally went from a first world country to a random like it's not not it's not about disrespect it's just about like facts you went from a first world country to like a third world situation it like israel like the israeli areas depending on where you go are definitely you know better established like much better established but you're in a place that's like you went from like a totally you're in a different world so like technically i can find israeli jobs but what would i do is what i'm I'm saying is i like like what would i do i don't even know what kind of job i can do here well once you finish school is your when you when you finish school are you trying to get your husband to canada or are you going to move and live in jerusalem Uh, i don't know i'll see what like opportunities i have for me but seriously i don't know what to like to do for work because like i was working as like um in, in canada in montreal we have like um it's like a psychosocial intervention worker. So it's kind of like a, a, it's kind of like a social worker, but without a social work degree. So I had a psychology degree and I was able to work and I worked with homeless people and shelters, but they don't really have that here. So I would like to do something like that, but they don't really have that here, even in the Israeli, like, you know, communities. Social so like, work, what, do you mean they don't, what do you mean they don't have it? I mean, like they don't have, like, I'm not a social worker. They don't have a social, social worker degree, but they don't have like the equivalent of what we have in Canada where it's like an intervention worker. So like, I don't even know what job I'd be qualified for. I don't want to do customer service. I'm not interested in working at a clothing store, at a grocery store. I'm not interested in any of that. Um, and also the salary is horrible. So like, I don't want to work oh, for a whole oh, yeah. Like for like, well, what, nine, $10 an hour? Like- I get, I hear you. Honestly, I hear you. I think a lot of, I, I, I this is where I think the traditional thing comes in. I think- women definitely should be able to do what they want work-wise, but I think a lot of women get more fulfillment out of raising a family than making a lot of money. I think when they're single, it's nice for them to be able to be independent. I think a woman should be able to live on her own if she needs to. Because that the thing is, if, if a woman is totally sufficient on her husband and the relationship doesn't work out and she's divorced now, she's stuck. Like she has to pull her life together. But if she has her own means, let's say even if she's making 50, 60 a year, but in the event that the relationship goes sour, she can still, you know, rent a place or even buy something small and she's getting, you know, child support from her, from her ex-husband. And there's just, you know, she's able to at least take care of her and however many kids she has. 
she's in a much better position. Like I, I, I had a client who got divorced not long ago and she was a stay at home mom and she didn't hasn't, she hadn't worked for like 10 years and now she's trying to get work again. And it's like really difficult. So that's like my only thing. And, you know, obviously do as you wish there, you know, you don't plan to get divorced, obviously. Yeah. But, but so I have a degree, so I'm not like too late if I don't work okay. for a time. If I have a master's degree, I think there's going to be some sort of opportunities for me somewhere. Hopefully, so. Yeah. I tried to find a job here. Like last time I was here and yeah, I wasn't very successful in doing so. I found like things that I wasn't really interested in. In the, and, in like, the Israeli, in the Israeli part or the Arab? Yeah, it was really part. I can't work uh, anyways in the Palestinian part because my Arabic is near, not nearly good enough. Oh yeah. yeah. Like, so, work would be like Israeli world, but also there, like, I'd feel so uncomfortable because I'd be a hijabi. In the it's kind of weird. It's like in both places, you feel like an outsider. Isn't yeah. That strange? So. Like you feel like you, you, you feel more welcome probably here because you're met because of your, because you're married to a Palestinian man. So it's like you, and you've chosen that life. So you feel more connected to this side. But, but then again, you grew up like, on the other side. So it's like whenever you're like on, a, on the Rakevet and all those other things, it's like, these are my people, but they're not. Isn't that like the whole thing? Of like, <laughs> but also like if I didn't speak, I think if I spoke fluent Arabic, I wouldn't have much of a problem because I would blend in. Because if I don't speak, people right. are like, they just Oh, for sure. If Arabic. you spoke fluent Arabic, it would be a totally different thing. Yeah. So like I don't really have a place to work. So I'd rather stay home than work like a job at a grocery store because I can't get anything better because of my language limitations. Yeah. Yeah, it's also much easier for you mentally to just stay at home and like avoid all this uncomfortable stuff. Like, so like, yeah, I could get boring, but I mean, I'm fine. Like, I just if I'm bored, I just go go out, and I'm like, I'm learning how to take the I explore basically. I don't know. How <laughs> I explored the other day. I have but my do- part internet. So. Okay, don't you miss the infrastructure of Canada though? About like how things are so much more developed. No, I, I, there's, there's things I like about both places. I like, you know, the quality of life, like being able to like, um, you know, work properly, get good money and good salary. Like there's no, and like that kind of things, but I don't, I like, you know, I like walking outside here and like, I just like the buildings, the architecture. I just like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, there's different things I like in both places. So I'm like conflicted on that, but for sure I, if I was super rich, then I would live here. But if you're not rich, then it's not really a fun, fun living. Okay. I I agree. That's why I went back to America because first off, the conflict is a very annoying to deal with. But the biggest reason I didn't live there, I didn't make Aliyah. Are you are you triggered when I say Aliyah? Okay. Anyways, no. I, you're like, oh, don't say such a thing. Anyways, when <laughs> I um when I uh um. When I thought about living there, I was just like, I need to make money. Like I need to, to be able to like do business. And you, there are people who are successful there for sure, but it's much harder there, especially as an American. Yeah, like, you're good. But even if you're a doctor and this and lawyer, you're not making nearly as much money. No, not even close, not even close. And I live in, I live in Miami now. I live in Florida. There's so many Israelis where I live anyway. It's like a second Tel Aviv. It's crazy. Like it's so expensive the there too like if the money was worse there you make worse money but like things are more expensive than they are in montreal my city like rent is more expensive in jerusalem and tel aviv than it is in my city in montreal it's crazy normal. And the, the why is it so ex- like, it's so expensive it's not normal 
it's not normal because people make like the minimum wage that people make uh like um if you work like a regular amount of hours the minimum wage is like what six five to six thousand shekel and then you have an apartment that's really tiny for four thousand shekel so it's like almost all of your salary is just there then at least what a thousand shekel per month for food it's like and then where do you have you can't have any savings you don't have like people just live at the limit unless they like have businesses or like that's how people make money businesses because business can bring a lot of money yeah but people yeah they mostly have uh, falafel places and everything what is your what does your husband do uh, he's a security agent he's what security 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 guard agent uh, i hear what you're saying but like for who oh for for anybody basically he gets contracts in different places so like he he works for like Jewish festivals too, you know, like uh, there's like Jewish festival on, in Jerusalem not long ago before Passover, where there was like a bunch of different foods and he was working there and I went to visit him. It was nice. Wow. So he's, music. that is interesting. So he does security for them. Yeah. And hmm. he does, uh, most of the security guards are Arab, like in Machinayuda market last year, he was working there. So he was the, pe- the person like checking people, like making sure that, they wearing a mask and like checking their temperature and whatnot. Yesterday he worked at like this like party for like like underage kids for like seventeen year olds and whatever. It was just music and he was just there making sure that people don't do crazy things. But isn't that kind of interesting that he he gets that job? He's technically a Palestinian man and they give him the job to do security. A lot of the jobs they... that like people the Israelis don't want to do, Arabs do. <laughs> Most Arabs are. Yep. In- Insecurity. 100%. Oh, 100%. But then again, if, it, if the rules were reversed, it would probably be the same way. Meaning like when, when Jews lived in Arab countries, oftentimes they, they, a lot of them were wealthy. But in terms of like the things they were allowed to do, there were restrictions. Like, again, this is human nature, I think. If you have a majority, if you have a country that's majority a certain group, and unlike America, that's a melting pot. Israel is a melting pot of Jews, but it's not a melting pot of all societies and nations. So it's not, it's never going to be a full democracy. So that's why people, and even you, you're going to be like, oh, they call themselves a democracy, but it's really not. No, it's it's a democracy to some degree, but it's never going to be a democracy like Canada or America. Because of, because when you, when you say it's a Jewish state, you're automatically negating the idea of a full-blown democracy. Exactly. Um, but that's... But that's kind of the only way to do it, though, because you can't have you can't have a, a, a Jewish state and a full on democracy at this simultaneously. It doesn't work. So you have a quasi democracy and you have a, a state that prioritizes Jews. But quite frankly, Arab countries prioritize Arabs and Muslims in Mecca. You can't go unless you're Muslim, that you're prioritizing Muslims. I don't really see an issue with that, though. It's like, OK, so be it. But, uh, you know. That's just, again, that's human nature. So I think people like get too fixated and too annoyed at that sort of thing. But I, I understand it. Um, and okay, now another thing is, well, what, what do you think about that? You agree? Yeah, to a certain extent. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Do you disagree to a certain extent? Oh, we, I mean, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I agree. It's true, everybody. Yeah, I'd say I agree. <laughs> okay, cool. And... Uh, <laughs> seems like we actually agree on a lot of things, but then like, obviously in certain respects, we disagree. Um, but then again, then on your social media, like it seems like we're in totally different pages. It's interesting. So I guess you're just either being very filtered or you really do agree with me to a large degree, but 
you don't want to talk about it. No, I do. I do agree to a large degree. But you're talking about things that, like, obviously, I don't see why I would disagree with. You know, I'm talking about things that are like controversial. Yeah, go on. Yeah, you're saying things that are not necessarily controversial. But I don't see why I wouldn't agree with it. You know what I mean? Well, they could be very controversial. We just happen to agree on them. I mean, I. Uh, I don't really, doesn't really concern me that you converted to Islam. Like a lot of other Jews are like, are going to be like, oh my God. It's like, as long as you're not supporting the death of Jews and Israelis, then I don't have a problem with you. And mm -hmm. if you are, then I, obviously I think you need a reality check. And so would a Jew who wants the same, like this just totally defeats the purpose. And if anyone that you're friends with now, wants that then yeah obviously they're just as bad as anyone else but if you genuinely want peace then, then yeah good you know what i mean if that's really what you want then good for you you know what i mean then do your thing um now la one more thing i wanted to talk about is you still live in canada a nice amount of the time well first off would your husband go with you to canada or like he's just stuck on no i'm not going anywhere this is my land is he that kind of person or he's more like i don't give a damn at this point we've been going through this for 70 some odd years you're my wife. I love you. I'll go wherever you want. Like, is he kind of in, in that zone or is he more like, no, I'm staying kind here. Kind of in the, huh? the former, the, what you said before, um, like for him, it's very important to like stay in his land. And like, he feels very connected to Jerusalem, especially like he's like, Oh, I'm not Palestine necessarily. Like it's Jerusalem. I'm from Jerusalem. I'm, uh, I'm Muktasi. Like I'm Jerusalemite. Like that's, that's how mm -hmm. he most defies right. that. So for him, it's hard, but like, also my mom is trying to convince him. She's like, keep sending him stuff. Like, look at this in Canada, you can do this. Da, da, da. Oh, she's, <laughs> oh, so your mom is actually already kind of accepted what happened, what's what has happened and is now. She'd rather me be here. I mean, in Canada with him. Oh, than, oh yeah, like, for sure. And she's so, hoping maybe somehow she'll convert, she'll convert him to Jew. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you, i don't know maybe she thinks if you, she prays enough then she maybe she thinks if she prays enough then i'll find my way back to judaism i think that's what she thinks because like i mean sister, at, mom praise you oh that's what your sister said are your are your parent are your siblings religious jews um one of the, my oldest sister yeah she's religious my other two well, i mean they they keep kosher and whatnot but they're not as religious okay do they do they all talk to you do you talk to them or none of them um, I do speak to them, yeah, but, you know, I'm not, like, close to them. Well, do you guys ever have these talks about religion? And do they, oh, like, okay. you just okay. keep it out of, you keep it out of the conversation? Off limits. Politics and religion is off limits for us. <laughs> oh, okay, I gotcha. And how do you live in your mom's house? Like, you, I guess, do you wear a hijab in the house? You, you don't have to. You're no, both of you right. Also, she told me, she doesn't, she's like, you can never wear this in my house. And I'm like, but why would I anyways? Like, I'm in my house. But she's very against me wearing a hijab, like very. So, what me. would you do if you if your husband is able to? Can your husband visit? He could, right? Doesn't he? Isn't he able yeah. to visit? Yeah, yeah. Has he done it? Oh, is he able to visit Canada? You mean like legally? Yeah. No. Yeah, um, I, mean, I needed a visa for that because he's not an Israeli citizen, so he would need a visa and visit. Not an Israeli. He's not an Israeli citizen. No, no, no. He's not. Did, which part of Jerusalem does he, does he live? East Jerusalem, where we live in East Jerusalem. Oh, okay. I mean, okay. if you're Palestinian and you live in Jerusalem, like a 99% chance you live in East Jerusalem. True, 100%.
I'm living. So Jerusalem, uh, Palestinians are like different in that respect to other Palestinians. They also have different points of views and different, you know, understandings of the situation. Yeah, no, I'm familiar with that. Okay, so Canada. So, so how come? So your mom? Wow, that's must be crazy. So you guys just so you stay at her house when you whenever you're in Canada. Yeah, because yeah, I just live at her at her house basically, mind my business, and my mom doesn't like my decisions, but she's not the type to kick me out of the house, so she hasn't kicked me out of the house. You have a good mom. You have a good mom because a lot of a lot of other parents would see if my kid converted to Islam, I would be very disappointed. I would, but I would still love my kid, and and not disappointed because oh they became Muslim. It's more of just you're leaving the religion altogether. Yeah, yeah there would for sure be a stigma in my head because at this point in time, because of the Palestinians and Israelis, just Muslims and Jews, there's this stigma that like they're enemies, which is just not the case overall. But in general, like Jewish households and Muslim households still have this like thing in their minds where it's like, if you convert to Judaism, you're siding with the enemy and vice versa, right? It's this like silly thing in their heads Yeah. yeah. versus like Christianity. I feel like it would still be a problem, but people would make like less of a big deal. But in, but in actuality though, I think like very religious Jews, as much as they wouldn't like a convert to Islam, part of them would be like, you know, I'm, I kind of preferred over Christianity because it's it's more like Judaism. So they feel like at least they're doing something. Well, my mom, not so much. I think my mom would prefer me being like a Christian, lesbian, I don't know what. Then she would- <laughs> uh, because you're more, yeah, because you wouldn't be. Islam, I think to her is scary because of just the yeah, whole hijab. Yeah. And, you know, the-, very, the way she sees Islam is not very in a very nice light. She definitely is like, I would say she's scared of Islam. She thinks I'm extremist. Like I started wearing dressing more modestly, even without my hijab. But like Jewish women are supposed to dress modestly anyway. She's like, oh, you're coming, becoming a bit extreme in the way you're dressing. Like, bro, what's extreme about wearing a long skirt? Like you wore that for a large part of your yeah, life. Yeah, no, I think modesty is fine. I mean, dressing like this all the time. Listen, teach. You said you don't do that, right? Like when you go out now, off camera, do you do you wear this over over your face? Well, I like don't. I wear hijab. Okay, so it's only it's really only for video to keep yourself hidden. Yeah, just online. The second like, like when I go out uh, and I do vlogs, let's say, I just pull it down <laughs> when I'm not like filming myself. Uh, what do you mean when you're doing vlogs? Because like I did a vlog, for example, walking in the old city outside in public, not just in my house. You put it so, online? Yeah, yeah, for like a video. Like I made a vlog, like eating uh, at Al Aqsa, like eating uh-huh. vlog, and like I was filming myself like this, like, like this, you know, taking selfie, whatever, video. And then after, like when I stop filming, I just take it down. Then when uh-huh. I film, I put it back up. It's like a mask, like a COVID mask, same thing. Um, yeah. Oh man. Okay. Um, all right. Well, that's definitely a hell of a lot we talked about. Um, yeah. There's so much more we could discuss, but thank you for staying on so long with me. Yeah, and, I know. Uh, I didn't realize how late it was, <laughs> but yeah. 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 Well, I, I, it doesn't seem like you're so busy today, huh? <laughs> well, I'm not very busy, but. You know. Okay. Either way. Well. You know, you videos. I got YouTube videos waiting for me to be watched. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Well, uh, M, say again. I was joking. I was just joking. I'm yeah, you, I got, you, 
to watch YouTube videos. If YouTube videos waited, waiting to be watched. Okay, well, thank you for joining me. This has been quite an interesting episode. And um, yeah. Have fun editing it out or whoever's uh, editing it because whoever's editing, happened? have fun editing it out because it's really long. Yeah, there's going to be a long episode for sure. This was like two hours or something. Yeah. Okay. Well, either way, um, yeah, thanks for joining me. And it'll be up. It should be up this Sunday, as a matter of fact. So would you be okay with, with sharing it? With like posting sure. it on your... Yeah? Sure. Um, is it on YouTube? Yeah. Yeah, it's on YouTube. Okay. No. Awesome. Okay. Well, all the best. And um, yeah. Peace out. Peace. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Okay, bye.